Before I get started on the uh, speech that I have, um, I want to acknowledge all the lives that I've lost Sunday morning. Alyssa Altabelli, John Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli, Peyton Chester, Sarah Chester, Christina Mauser, Ara Zabanya, Gianna Bryant, and Kobe Bryant. The first thing that comes to mind, man, is all about family. And as I look around this arena, we're all grieving. We're all hurt. We're all heartbroken. But when we're going through things like this, the best thing you can do is lean on the shoulders of your family. And from Sunday morning all the way to this point, now I heard about Laker Nation before I got here last year about how much of a family it is. And that is absolutely what I've seen this whole week, not only from the players, not only from the coaching staff, not only from the organization, but from everybody. This is really, truly, truly a family. And I know Kobe and Gianna and Vanessa and everybody, thank you guys from the bottom of their heart, as Kobe said. Now, I know at some point we will have a memorial for Kobe. But I look at this, I look at this as a celebration tonight. This is, this is a celebration of the 20 years of the blood, the sweat, the tears, the broken down body, the getting up and sitting down, the everything, the countless hours, the determination to be as great as he could be. Tonight, we celebrate the kid that came here at 18 years of age, retired at 38, and became probably the best dad that we've seen over the last three years, man. Tonight is a celebration. I want to continue along with my teammates to continue his legacy, not only for this year, but as long as we can play the game of basketball that we love, because that's what Kobe Bryant will want. So in the words of Kobe Bryant, Mamba out. But in the words of us, not forgotten. Live on, brother. Episode 319. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a wall, Brad. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hi, I'm Trace Balloon. And I'm Frank Conniff, TV's Frank from Mystery Science Theater 3000, and the Mads are back, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Mmm, I love leftovers, especially pop culture-y ones. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the leftovers. leftovers. Hey, wh- what if I... Uh, when we started the episodes, Jake, like one week, like let's say like this week, I just said after that, I go, so what? hey, what's up, bitch? <laughs> I'd be into it. I wouldn't be offended. Really? 
Eh, it's what it is. I don't, it, or, it, but it persisted. Let's say, okay, I do it one week. I do it one week, and you just, all right, I'll let it slide. You know, what? <laughs> I did that. That's the thing he did. And the next week, it becomes like a, a, a thing. And every week, every week, no explanation, none given. What's up, bitch? <laughs> would there would there come a day like how many weeks would, like i was just thinking in that terms yeah I, I think about four weeks in i'd be like what the fuck is going on all right okay so the, okay now we're having this talk all right here we go we're having this talk and how do you how do you approach me no that's a good question yeah. too i would probably just be like hey what's up with the introducing me as bitch every episode <laughs> So, so at this point, are, are you feeling? Are you offended, or are you just like I, I? I think I deserve. We're four weeks in on this fucking whatever the fuck you're doing with this bitch thing. I need, yeah, what, I think what, I, I think I come in from a state of curious, actually. Stay oh curiosity. So now, no, no, you're not on the offensive. You're not even I, on the I, I defensive. Ten like percent offended, ninety percent just curious. What the fuck is going on? All right, okay. So this could go. This could like, but those could flip now after my explanation. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, you have all the power. After yeah, that. this is uh, a delicate balance here. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I call my coworkers bitches all the time, but usually I say it with strong ease, like yeah. beaches. Oh, okay. Beaches. Yeah. All right. So, all right. The conversation. How do you think it's going to go? Um, I think it's going to go well. I I would assume. What if I? What if my? What if I just came out with? Well, dude, you're a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) We're flipping then. But then, hold on. What if after that, after that, then I give you my argument for it, and you're just like you're taken aback because you you are you're just like he's he's making a point. He's making he's, <laughs> maybe maybe you're like Johnny Cocker and you come with the like bulletproof defense, and I'm just yeah. oh. if, if if the glove fits, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And so now, are, are you feeling a little defeated, but then also kind of like, you know, like, yeah, I, I get it. I'm going to let him, you know, I'm going to let him do this. I don't think I would come to terms with my new identity that quickly, <laughs> but but eventually, yes. I don't think it would be like snap your fingers right there in that conversation. Well, and then, then, well, then, then like I'm saying by like week nine, our guests are calling you that too. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, we're we're not alone this week. Uh we got Neil. Neil Thalander. What's up, bitch? All right. <laughs> oh hey, no. Uh I haven't talked to Jake like a long time. Yeah, we've got uh we got internet issues over there with Neil. We're gonna see how this works out. But uh, yeah, it's been a while since you've been on the uh on the horn <laughs> with uh Jake. Yeah, Neil. A lot of times has acted as my replacement. Yeah. The last few times Pretty I've missed. <laughs> uh, this oh, is no. uh, this is not working with Neil. Your internet is gone. <laughs> it's like it's comparison. like the Avenue Six pilot where there's like the 14 second delay. Avenue Five. You're, or Avenue Five. Yeah, you're on the you're on the next season. That's what they call it, <laughs> Avenue Six. I'm on season two already. What if they called it Avenue Sixty Nine? It was just fucking. <laughs> 
goddamn orgy on that fucking ship out in outer space. <laughs> yeah, bring real sex back and pair it up with that if they're doing that. Oh, real sex, man. I, I didn't, I was not a fan of that show. Every time I watched, it was just like old people, lemon parties fucking each other. Yeah, I mean, when I was like 11, I thought it was very fascinating. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, any, <laughs> any nudity was fascinating at 11. Flipping through the Yeah, I agree. Once I was old enough to be able to seek out whatever kind of yeah. pornography I wanted, it, it was like mini weird documentaries, just what's going on in that show. I know, yeah, I was flipping through the National Geographics in the fucking dentist's office trying to jerk off, you know? <laughs> <laughs> File, file that old, file that in the old spank bank for later. That's, God. Yeah, people have it so easy these days. Yeah. Yeah, people, what was I doing before I started recording? I, I listen to music to kind of get me like pumped up and shit, cause like, rarely do I come in here raring to go. Well, so before I was, started recording, I was uh, dancing on the ceiling with Lionel Richie. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, what a feeling. What do you think that song's about? Okay, I guess we could say it's about, like, getting people together and dancing and maybe love. Oh, I thought it was about drugs. Dude, that's what I'm saying. You're. That's what I was thinking, man. That's what I was thinking. I think it's all a cover-up for fucking drugs, man. Dancing on the ceiling. You're high on the ceiling, right? Yeah. Ooh, what a feeling. Ooh, what a feeling. Yeah, but the end of that fucking music video should have just been Lionel Richie laying in a hallway with a fucking needle in his arm. <laughs> that way we're not having this conversation. We know it's about fucking, it's about drugs. I like that. I like when music's a bit more abstract like that and you can take your own personal meanings from the songs. Oh, I, I need the answer. Give me the answer, Lionel. What's that song where he's singing to the blind girl? Oh man, I, I know it the second you you've sung it, but I, I forget it. Is it "Hello"? Is it me you're looking for, or is that is that another song? Mm, I think it's "Hello." Suck. I think it's "Hello." Is it me you're looking for? And it's like it's kind of a slap in the face that she's blind; she can't really be looking. Yeah, maybe he didn't mean it in that term. Maybe he's still on the drugs from the last song. That's true. Neil, how's your internet doing over there, Chief? Uh, is it better now? <laughs> That's what this whole episode's gonna be. I'm gonna title me. I I tossed it. I'm gonna title this episode. How's Neil's internet doing? <laughs> oh man! Hey, uh, next week. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! That answer that question. Um, next week uh, we're gonna be reviewing Birds of Prey. So uh, yeah, and uh, later on in this episode we've got Birds of Prey reactions to go over this episode. So uh, stick around for that. Um, did want to talk real quick about the loss of Kobe Bryant. Just real quick. I mean, we got the news on Sunday that Kobe Bryant, his uh, daughter Gianna, and seven others lost their lives in a helicopter crash and. I, 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 I'm, I'm telling you, I did not take the news well. I was, uh, I was at the gym. I was on the treadmill. I looked up and saw it on ESPN and I had to, I was like 20 minutes in and I was like, I'm done. I had to leave. And I, I probably sat out in the parking lot for like a good 30, 40 minutes before I even got up to like turn the car on to leave. Cause, uh, I remember watching this guy, uh, when I was a kid, when he first came into the, into the NBA and it's like, it was kind of a big deal because, like, this is the first NBA player, Jake, that was younger than me. Oh, wow. I never even thought about that. How, how old was he? 40, 42? 41. 
41. Okay. Yeah, he would have been uh, 42, I think, in December. Um, but I always remembered that we were bo- both born in the same year, and I was only like 11 months older than him. And I was like, wow, this is the first. I'm getting old. This is the first NBA player that's that's younger than me that's come into the league. And he turned <laughs> in one of the best players that we've ever seen. And it was just a horrific, horrific event. And I want to thank Nana Pratt for just reaching out to me. Like, you know, it's like Kobe Bryant dies. He knows I'm a big basketball fan. And Nana just reached out to me. He's like, dude, I just want to check in. Are you okay? And I was, I'm telling you, like that night I could not sleep. I was just on Twitter, on the internet, reading stuff. I was watching videos of him and his daughter, looking at pictures of him and his daughter. And it's like two o'clock in the fucking morning. And I'm like crying as I'm watching some of these videos. So, you know, and and you can say like, ah, you didn't know him. It's like, well, these are people that we've invited into our homes for years. And we've watched them play. We've watched them, you know, do what they do. And man, like this guy, you know, he, he destroyed the Bulls when he played the Bulls, like in his late, like in his later years and stuff like that. And like, uh, you know, won, won three championships in a row and then came back, won two more. Um, and just, uh, I don't know, just, it's always, always, uh, seemed like a good family man for the most part. I know him and Vanessa had problems and things like that, but I mean, nobody should, nobody should, uh, nobody would ever, wish this upon that family this is just a terrible thing that happened and and uh i just i didn't want to spend too much time on it but i did want to i did want to mention it and um yeah really yeah it had a huge impact on i mean not just you i I don't think i've seen such a public impact from a celebrity death since probably michael jackson yeah 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 it was huge and uh i mean i know um shaq took it real hard um I'm actually going to play LeBron's speech uh, before uh, the episode that he gave. And, man, I, I just watched that, you know, today, and I'm fucking tearing up again. It was just just an incredible fucking player. Um, and one of the guys, one of the guys, like, that was a free agent, and, and the Bulls, I'm a huge Bulls fan, and he actually went and talked to, you know, the Bulls organization and was real professional about it. You know, didn't lead them on, but still had to listen to what they had to say and seriously contemplated coming to Chicago. And any player that does that, I gotta love them. I gotta love them when they, when they, when they even just sniff the bulls, sniffing around the bulls. I gotta respect them for that. So yeah, he'll be missed. He'll be missed. And, um, yeah, I can see that. I may be, I may sound stupid here, but wasn't Phil Jackson, the bulls coach, eventually Kobe's coach on the Lakers too? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I could see why that would probably help, you know, give him respect and esteem for that team, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and then just, you know, he grew up as a, you know, he, he, he enjoyed watching Michael Jordan play just like everybody else. You yeah. know. And so and that's that baseball. <clears throat> yeah. True. Oh man. Yeah. But it, it was one of those things where Kobe, you know, went up against Michael. And then, uh, when Michael left, then LeBron went up against Kobe, you know. So it's it's kind of cool seeing like these guys going up against each other. But um, yeah, yeah. Just uh, I wish that family the best. It's just it's a terrible tragedy. Shaquille O'Neal doing his uh, Super Bowl party and all the proceeds that he gets from that is going to go to uh, all the families that were involved in that helicopter crash, which I thought was really cool of him to do. Yeah, that is really cool. It, it's just so tragic and. Yeah, it was the people on the helicopter just makes it seem even more tragic, you know, just yeah. all families and 
mom and a kid and a mom and a dad and a kid and it's yeah. just it's just awful and fuck tmz you know vanessa yeah, I, i've heard <clears throat> um that that was fake news that uh Seriously. vanessa found out from tmz oh i didn't know i like i yeah i hadn't heard that so she- i heard it was already very locally well known and that mm. TMZ did have permission to break the story. Okay. I, what I could be saying could be fake news as well, but I have seen both sides of that story. And, yeah. and I'm not – I fucking hate – I think TMZ is pretty scummy too, so yeah. I'm not trying to uh, leave TMZ alone. But I have heard that that's been a bit overblown and okay. that Vanessa indeed did not find out from TMZ. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, I did not know that. I was about to fucking destroy TMZ there. Yeah, I mean, go on. They still suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, let's do some iTunes reviews. Well, let's do let's do let's do one iTunes review. <laughs> review. Yeah, here we go. This week, man, that game Kobe scored eighty some points was ridiculous. God damn, that game was ridiculous. Yeah, how many points did the Lakers score overall that game? I don't, I, I don't know, man. It's like that. I, I mean, I know David Robinson had like a seventy-one point game or something like that. Jordan did like a sixty-nine in Boston Garden, uh, but Kobe had like eighty fucking points or some shit. I mean, yeah, I mean that's sometimes that's the final fucking score, like yeah. eighty something. Oh sure, like if you got two teams that are just like defensive minded, that game might end at like you know eighty eight to eighty six or some shit. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, fucking nuts. Wilt Chamberlain scored a hundred points in a game. The only thing about that is it was uh, not filmed. God damn! Can you imagine seeing that game? This guy was pulling down. They're saying this guy was pulling down some games like 50 fucking rebounds. And this is before they started recording rebounds. Can you imagine if they recorded rebounds over his career? What and his, they also changed rules because of that. They, I think what Neil, oh, okay, Neil. What Neil said there was they changed the rules because of that. <laughs> oh, man. Nice skills. I know. I'm starting to. It's like, it, it's like learning a new language. Like, like it's like I, I picked up the Rosetta Stone for garbled Neil. You two are like Han and Chewbacca. Yeah. It's like, hey, Neil. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, man, Neil. This is going to be interesting. Um, <laughs> this one. Oh, Christ. Uh, this <laughs> I would like to issue a public apology if you had this right, turned up loud in headphones. What do you, Neil, do what you got to do, buddy. Okay. I would keep this, I would keep this going. You do what you got to do. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I, his first review, he's going to come right back in and be like, how do I sound? <laughs> I'm going to be like in the middle of the And Brian's going to be like, he said, how do I sound? <laughs> This first one, it's uh, titled uh, This First and Only One. Thanks, everybody, this week for all the uh, iTunes reviews. Uh, It's titled uh, 10 Stars, and it's by My Wife's Phone. 
And it goes on to say, one of my New Year's resolutions is to give five stars reviews to all the podcasts that I enjoy. Well, turns out I already gave PCL a review, but I like PCL so much I stole my wife's phone so I could leave this one. Five plus five equals ten stars. Man, I love it. I love this fucking review. Yeah, this is uh, dedication. Yeah, I like that he added it up too. The, the ten, when I first heard the name, I, I rolled my eyes. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, like, that's a bit much, but he he did it. The math checks out. What do you think? Next week we're gonna get a review that says "What's up, bitch." What, what are the odds? What are the odds there? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, bitch? I think next week, you know, oh, like, yeah. maybe maybe he's cheating on his wife and he can get that phone too and make it a 15 star review. Oh, he's got a 15 star review from his mistress. Yes, that's what I want. Hey, Neil, let's find out. You, Neil, <laughs> how you doing? Is it working better now? Oh, dude, you Whoa. Sound, wow, you sound good, Neil. All right, oh, oh. that's classic, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, thumbs up, yeah, just, thumbs down. Just, just in case you were wondering. Just in case you were wondering. Shit. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. All right. Hey, we're back. Neil, you sound, you sound spectacular, (laughs) sir. Doing what I can, man. Doing what I can. You gotta go back and listen to that bullshit you were spewing earlier, (laughs) man. It's, it's fucked up, dude. I'm excited. Yeah, it's fucked up. Real fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be like, wow, I don't even remember saying all the (laughs) rules. Yeah, you went like uh, full Max Hedrum there for a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Max Hedrum. (laughs) Max Hedrum. Uh, Everybody, I have been uh, keeping up watching Family Matters. I'll do that. That's like my thing, like right before I go to bed is I watch the Family Matters. But I've been been, uh, dipping my toes into some more 80s sitcoms. Yeah, I know Family Matters is primarily 90s, but it did premiere in 89. Fuck off. Know it all. (laughs) There you go. Jesus, there you go. I know, I know. It's it's what I can't I can't say anything on this show, Jake, without somebody fucking you know bringing it up, slapping me in the face with it, slapping their big fucking knowledge dick in my face the next week. Eighties, <laughs> nineties <laughs> sitcoms, it's all the same. Anyway, been watching Punky Brewster. Oh, there you go. That's set for a big revival coming up on the old Peacock. Yeah, the old Peacock. Did you see that they're going to have the 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 uh, free version and then premium? Yeah, I, I followed when Peacock had like their big press conference. I, I saw the ad and saw all the releases. And yeah, I think that's really cool. I like to. Hey, Neil, you're scratching the, the, the mic. It's rubbing up against your face or some shit. That's Sorry. A, that's a thing that happens with the when you <laughs> when you switch that device. But uh, the the free Peacock, I like to call it free cock. Yeah, free cock. <laughs> uh, you can never go wrong with free cock. Oh, you can't. You can't go wrong with free cock. Anyway, I've been watching the old Punky Brewster. Did you, Jake, did you watch Punky Brewster when you were a kid? Religiously. Neil. It was one of my favorites as a kid. Because it was one of the few sitcoms where, yeah. like, a child was the central, yeah. like, character, you know? I mean, there were shows like that, but they weren't primetime network shows. Well, I mean, you had, but it was, more, that was really about Punky. It was really about Punky. And then, you, you know, you had different strokes. And that, yeah, that was Gary Coleman's show. And I will still go on the record as saying Gary Coleman cutest child actor ever to fucking step foot in a studio that kid is just fucking adorable go back and watch that first goddamn season that kid is just adorable as shit uh but anyway 
Um, so yeah, I've been watching Punky Brewster. And uh, do you remember the whole setup of that show, Jake? Neil, did you watch Punky? Did you watch Punky? Is it too old for you? Yeah, it's a little before my time. Mm-hmm. You remember the setup of that show? Remember the setup of the show? I'm like 50-50 on it. All right. It's fucked up. It's fucked up, man. It's fucked up. So anyway, she's like an orphan, right? Yeah, she's an orphan. Here's the thing. Well, the orphans, don't the parents have to die? Or are they just mm-hmm. abandoned? I think it could go either way. I don't know. I don't. I have to look up the official, like, uh, that's one of those things that, yeah, that we don't, I don't know. Like, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne was an orphan. It's because his parents were dead. But her mom didn't die. She just abandoned her in a supermarket. So they Oof. were... Yeah, they were fucking going out grocery shopping, and then Punky's like there, and she looks out in the parking lot. Her mom's not there. She's asking around, you see my mom? Nope. And she goes back. She goes back to, like, this uh, apartment, and she uh, then she meets uh, Henry Warnemont, played by uh, the late George Gaines. And if you're a fan of the uh, Police Academy movies, he was uh, Commandant Lassard in those films. Anyway, uh, he's, like, 60 fucking years old, and they've known each other for, like, three days but they form this bond, and Jake, and against all odds, he gets custody of Punky Brewster. That's, that's a lot for a pilot. It's a, well, no, it's three episodes. They broke this first fucking oh. thing up into three episodes. Anyway, anyway, abandoned in a supermarket, adopted by an old guy. By episode four, <laughs> the whole episode is about them taking a trip to the supermarket. Now, remember, this is the same <laughs> place. She was abandoned by her biological mother. Like, wouldn't you think that this would trigger some kind of, like, post-traumatic stress just taking this kid to a fucking supermarket? It's her idea, though. She wants to go, so he takes her. So, but, like, you gotta think, like, this is like her Vietnam, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe she's like, it's like, she's like Ray Skywalker, where it's like she wants to go back to her place of origin and like wait for maybe her parents or something again subconsciously that's true you never know i i, I don't I, I think she just wanted cereal but um I, I don't know i feel like this is like post-traumatic stress inducing like 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 vietnam like so instead of like her hearing like you know helicopters and and explosions like she's hearing like shopping carts bang into each other and like you know the loud <laughs> clean up any beepers at the register yeah there's a Sale on peaches and produce over the loudspeaker, and like that's the you know like like the flashbacks that she's getting, you know. But uh, man, it, it's been fun. It's been fun. I'm looking forward to the revival show. I hope that they don't kid it down. I hope that they like they tackled. I don't know. It, the show's goofy. The show's silly. But they did tackle some big shit that was like huge in the '80s, like kids getting stuck in refrigerators and shit. What were kids doing in the '80s to get stuck in refrigerators all the time? That was a big thing. I mean, because people would like abandon them outside was the issue. Yeah. And back back then, we played outside a lot. And people it was like uh, unsupervised kids like finding a fridge like in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, kids. I remember that it was a big thing. I remember that episode. I remember seeing Definitely. it on like other fucking sitcoms too. Like, I think GI Joe talked about it. One of those PSAs they did at the end of the show. I think I don't know. I don't remember what Joe it was. Fuck me. <laughs> the more you know, the more you. No, it wasn't the more you know. It <laughs> oh was, no, it is half the battle. There you go. There you go. There you go. I remember like <laughs> all those like uh, don't walk on thin ice. And, uh, I think, <laughs> you yeah. think no shit there. Yeah. Like, don't go up to dogs you don't know. And, uh, well, there's a bunch of them. Like, if you have a nosebleed, this is what you need to do. And they went through, like, the whole process of the nose. Uh, Salil Moon Fry, great fucking child actor as Punky Brewster. 
Yeah, has, has she done anything between original Punky uh, Brewster and Punky Brewster reboot? I guarantee you, if you go through, she's probably done some of those Hallmark movies. Like her and the fucking uh, Candace Cameron are probably like knows, you know, like tied, you know, like uh, fucking uh, tied for those movies, right? Fall- no, there's no way she's even close to Candace Cameron's numbers. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she's. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that argument with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that she's got to be doing that kind of shit. You know what I mean? You know, she's yes, yes. on it. You know, going on. Her husband died and she's going on a ski trip with the gals and the gals are like, it's been three years. And then she finds <laughs> love on the ski trip with the ski guy, a ski instructor who's kind of a misogynist at first, but then he's got a heart of gold. <laughs> Man, I'm DVRing this. <laughs> Sounds fun. Salil Moon Fry. Her parents were hippies. That's why she's got that middle name Moon. No. Yeah. You had a lot of those weird, weird name kids around that era. Yeah, you did. Yeah, fuck it. Did they have a weirdo, like a super crazy Punky Brewster cartoon that they was like really fantastical compared to the show? She had like some kind of like alien creature that was like a mogwai or something that hung out with her and flew around with her. It wasn't enough that she had a dog named Brandon. They had to get a fucking weird looking mogwai looking thing. <laughs> <laughs> fucking <laughs> fucking gizmo looking thing that would fly around. That, I don't know. Looked like a Care Bear fucked a mogwai or something. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> you know, slightly off topic, but yeah. I had a boss one time that had a whole repertoire of fucking orphan jokes that he would tell and just crack himself up with them. And I always thought that was the craziest thing that someone was getting humor from uh, telling jokes about orphans. You want to hear oh. an orphan joke? Wow. What did he did? He have like a book of orphan jokes. Yeah, he must have. Like he he knew like 50 of them. And it's one of those things where they were basically all the same joke, and I can, like, only remember one of them. That's a, that's a way to break the ice with new people, tell them orphan <laughs> jokes, right? What oh, if, yeah. Oh, yeah. What we, if you, we called the Consumer Affairs Hotline quite a few times. Well, what if, you, what if you're doing that, and then, like, they come out, and they're like, dude, I'm a fucking orphan. <laughs> that's you know, you know what I would do in that instance? I would be like, so in order to be an orphan... Do you have do your parents have to die or can they just abandon you in a supermarket? Now I got to Google this shit. <laughs> got a question for you. We're going to be moving on here. I got a question for you. I want you guys to it's the zombie apocalypse. It's the zo- and guys online, you can you can tweet me your answers to this as well. It's a fun little thing that we're going to do. Uh, I got a question. Pick one Marvel, one DC character, one Star Trek character to help you during the zombie apocalypse. I'll start with you, Jake. I was reading about orphans. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm sorry. Oh, man. What about Mighty Morphin Orphan Power Rangers? All the- <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's genius. You need to delete that and trademark <laughs> All the Orphan Power Rangers. All their parents abandon them in a supermarket. <laughs> Here we go. An orphan is someone whose parents have died, are unknown, or have permanently abandoned them. There we go. Punky Brewster was an orphan. In common usage, it's used as both parents are dead, but it can mean all three. Oh, guys, just so you know, you can watch all the Punky Brewster seasons on the NBC app. They're all there. Yeah, but back to, on the Freecock. Back Freecock. Back back, <laughs> back 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 to back to orphans though. 
<laughs> uh, what was the question about the zombie apocalypse? All I'm right. sorry, I was reading all the orphans. All stuff. right, I want you to pick one Marvel, one DC, one Star Trek character to help you during a zombie apocalypse. <clears throat> Man, that's a tough question on the fly. I will, I will answer then. I will give you some time go, to think. Go. But don't, don't just, don't be thinking about this so much that you're not listening to my answers. Yeah, I'm bad at that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> First of all, for Marvel, I'm picking Punisher. Guy's got like fucking tons of artillery and just blowing away zombies, right? Yeah, that, that's good. I, I'm surprised you wouldn't pick someone with powers. You're just no. basically picking like a, a Walking Dead character. No, man. I don't know. Dude, I don't know about somebody. Well, that's just for the for Marvel. I got somebody else who's got superpowers. Okay. All right. But I'm going to start with Punisher, man. I need his fucking artillery. I need his fucking know-it-all. And I, you know, he's there to protect me. I feel, I feel safe, uh, uh, with, with the Punisher. Uh, Frank Castle. Thank you, Frank Castle, for your service. <laughs> I felt the need to say that for some reason. Um, <laughs> DC, I'm going with Poison Ivy. Dude, fucking plant life and shit, right? And I don't think that she can be infected by zombies. I don't know if she can. I don't know if they could bite her and turn her into a zombie. But, yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and run with that. But man, can you imagine? Like you're fucking. Most of the time, you're watching The Walking Dead. They're out in the woods, right? Yeah, yeah, dude. How many fucking trees are out in the woods? She could just like fucking like kick their asses with like plant life and shit. And then for Star Trek, I'm going uh, Data because they can't bite him. If they bite him, oh, that's really smart. He's a fucking android, dude, and he's smart as shit. He might even figure out a fucking way. To stop the zombie apocalypse. That's how fucking brilliant Data is. That's who I'm going with in Star Trek. I'm going with fucking Data. Did you see that fucking uh, Robert Kirkman? He, uh, somebody tweeted him and they asked him, they go, you know, you ended your run on The Walking Dead. Did you ever give us a, uh, a reason why the zombie apocalypse started? And he, I don't know if he was joking, but he just responded with Space Spore. <laughs> what was that? Space what? Space Spore. Uh, and see, the thing is, like the uh, when he first started writing The Walking Dead, I'm gonna let you guys answer here in a second. Just give me a fucking moment here. No, I find this fascinating. <laughs> when The Walking Dead first started, um, he pitched this book, and they were like, they were like, I don't know, zombie books don't do well. They don't do well. And he's like, he's like, oh, so he had to fucking think on the fly, and he was like, here's the thing, we find out that they were put there by. Uh, aliens. And they're like, oh, we love it. We love it. We'll let you do it. So, but he's on like issue nine or 10. And like, I think like the editor came up to him and was like, hey, dude, like, I know the book's selling great. It's huge. But like, when are you going to start introducing these aliens? And he's like, ah, that was bullshit. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Awesome. I don't know if this joke, like, if Space Spore was just like a joke or like he was, just, I think he's just so dumb with The Walking Dead. I think he's so dumb with fucking AMC's bullshit that he's just like, fuck it, Space Spore. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both, honestly, because I mean, Kirkman's gone on record a lot about how the the whole zombie thing is just kind of dressing to tell these human stories, you know? Yes, and, yes. So when it comes to why are they there? I don't think that was, you know, much like, like the leftovers or, you know, I don't think that yeah. was really the importance of the story. So fuck it. If it's space for, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that, that is the answer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows? I, I, I don't know. I love Kirkman though. I love Kirkman. He's fucking awesome. Anyway, he's a great personality. He if he's ever at a convention, he's, 
he's always a good one to talk to. Yeah, Kirkman's fucking awesome, man. And the guy's just dedicated to comics. And like, I don't know, he's just he's done so much, especially for indie comics. That God, God bless that guy. He's fucking amazing. Uh, Neil, do you got any answers for this fucking question? <clears throat> yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> it's funny as I was thinking data as well for Star Trek. Yeah, but no, you can I go with data. I'm, I'm going to go with seven of nine instead. Um, since she's got the Borg nanotech in her bloodstream, nice. she can't be yeah. infected either. Uh, for Marvel, I would go with the Vision because again, robot can't get infected. Plus, he's got the fucking crazy ass powers hey, that he's dude, got. He can phase through them. Yeah, yeah. And he can d- obliterate them with his head beam. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then for DC, I, I guess Superman. Cause- <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> That's all you needed to pick right there, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Super, Superman was my DC pick, too. Damn it. <laughs> If I, mean, I, if I was, it seems like the most obvious answer to me. Well, if and don't, if you wanted to get like real DC, if you wanted to get real DC, you could just say Doctor Manhattan, and it's over. Mm, right. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I still wanted a little bit of a challenge, I guess. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you got, Jake? I kind of went the Doctor Manhattan route with my Marvel, but for my for my DC, I Doctor Man. Oh, Superman. Ooh, Superman for DC. Okay. Yeah, and you know, just everything. He's going to go in there and just kick ass. And I'll go under the same pretense that he's an alien, so maybe this thing that's infecting all these humans doesn't affect him. Yeah, yeah. But you never know. And so uh, just in case Superman goes bad or things get out of control for Marvel, I'm going to go with Galactus. Oh, Basically just the red (laughs) button. Like, if we're not going to win, we'll just hit the red button and just destroy the whole planet. And for my Star Trek, I'm going to go with Spock. Because he's very logical, and he can make the hard decision when we need to hit the Galactic's red button for me. Nice. 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 I love those answers. I, Neil, I'm just surprised you didn't pick Deadpool for Marvel. Yeah. I, I've read Deadpool as he's been infected by zombies, and it doesn't turn out well for oh, yeah. anybody. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, 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 like right out of the gate, yeah. He'd, pro- yeah. he'd probably get infected. Um, there's, there's, there's a great run. Uh, it's Night of, the, Night of the Living Deadpool where he's infected yeah. by yep. zombie virus. Exactly. I love it when uh, – what was those books that they had? Deadpool, like – Deadpool, and he was like in old old literature – like they yeah, had, yeah. Oh, that was good. That was like Deadpool Illustrated, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I can't remember. Those are great. Like Deadpool Killustrated. 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 Yeah. There you go. Then there was also Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe yep. and Deadpool Kills Deadpool. It was all part of a, the same run. It was fucking great. Like, I remember the cover <laughs> The cover for the Deadpool versus, like, Moby Dick or something. It's <laughs> yeah. just insane. It's <laughs> so good. I want you to – okay, here's my, my second question. We're going to get into good pop, bad pop here shortly, people. Uh, pick one real-life actor. So you're – not picking a character that they played. I want you to pick a real life actor to help you fight Pennywise in it. Mm. That's an that's an interesting question. A real I, life actor. Man, Pennywise too. You threw me. I, I like almost had an answer, and then who we're going against really threw me for a loop. Yeah, we're going against Pennywise. Mm. Man, who's not afraid of anything? Who can't? <laughs> yeah, I'm drawing a blank on this one. I, I'll, I'll take, go with I'll Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. That's not bad. I'll go Bruce Campbell. Oh, nice. fuck yeah. I'm going to go with uh, 
Alien and Top Gun actor Tom Skerritt, just because his last name, <laughs> his last name promises you that you can handle this, right? <laughs> was this whole setup for that joke? It was. It 100% was. <laughs> I've been holding on to that joke, I can't tell you for how long. I <laughs> It's ridiculous how long I've been holding. Okay, before we go to get pop, bad pop, we got to work this question in too, real quick. <laughs> oh, Finally. Yeah. yeah, I know, dude. I've had this like in my head for like months, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback this off of the uh, zombie apocalypse question. <laughs> Finally, I can find a way to work this into the show. Tom oh, Scarrett. Sure. Tom Scarrett. Oh, uh, you, you win right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into uh, this week's Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. So uh, real quick, I wanted to talk about uh, went to the theater and saw 1917 again. It was one of those where... Jake, you'd said you'd seen it in IMAX. I'd seen it in Super DLX, but I hadn't seen it in IMAX, and I wanted to go back. There's just so much to take in in that movie. Neil, did you see 1917? No, I haven't gotten around to it yet. Get in there, man. Watch this one before it leaves theaters. I'm telling you. It's, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those movies. I know. At time uh, time permitting, I think that this is one that you need to make the trek out to to see. But I saw it again. There was one point when I watched it on my first viewing where I went and uh, to the restroom and uh, missed a scene. And I think it was pretty integral. It's the scene where we're reintroduced. Like, he's gone down that waterfall, Jake. And as he's, like, you know, uh, waiting, waiting, not, like, waiting. Like, he's in water and he's waiting. <laughs> W-A-D-I-N-G. He's not waiting like uh, Ryan Reynolds in that movie. Um, but he's, he's waiting in that water and like the cherry blossoms are falling. Dude, that's the, yeah. I, I walked out like the first time to use the restroom. And like, when I saw that, I was just like, holy shit. Like it hit me again, you know, like that whole conversation that he had had, you know, with Blake at the beginning and, and just seeing those cherry blossoms. It was just kind of like one of those beautiful moments in this movie. I, it's just, just, it's a beautiful movie. It's, it's a horrific movie, but it's also a beautiful movie. And you have like those moments where he's talking to that woman who's taken up that, again, talking about orphans, but that woman who's taking care of that baby and, um, treating that baby and taking care of that baby. And, and he's got the milk. It's like all these scenes. It, it, there's something that you can still have beautiful moments in such a, a horrific thing where people are fighting against each other and men are killing each other. It was just kind of a, just an incredible fucking film, dude. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, gorgeous is definitely one of the words that comes to mind when I, when I think about that movie. It's yeah. Just, it's stunningly beautiful, but you're, you're absolutely right. That's next to all the just crazy, horrific stuff going on. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you said that really stuck out to me, uh, when you reviewed it the first time was you were talking about like how it just looked like 
it looked like places that we've seen growing up, like when we're outside playing. And like, yeah, it made me feel like a kid just being outside the yeah. way the lighting was. Well, what's wild is like if you ever watch the Band of Brothers movie, uh, the final episode is basically they take the the, the surviving. Uh, guys from Easy Company, and I know this is World War II, but they take those guys back to these places that they fought to, fought in, in, in like France. And they're just standing in fields, what like, looks like a regular field. And like, that's where this battle took place. You know, it, it's, it's just wild to think of like all the blood that was shed in, in some of these places. And, you know, to this day, you know, some of these, uh, battlefields, they're still picking up like, you know, ammunition, you know, and stuff like that, uh, that, that's been left over from this. It's, it's, it's wild. Well, 1917, can't Tupperware it enough. It's fucking incredible. Also started watching today, uh, on Comedy Central, Bill Burr presents The Ringers. Have you guys heard about this one? I haven't. No. It's a, it's a, it's a new stand-up comedy show and what he does is they find three comics to come up and give their act on TV basically for the first time. These are like the comics comics. These are the comedians that other comedians think deserve a shot and Bill Burr is the one that's like bringing them to the forefront and he's letting them do their thing. They're fucking putting on like, you know, just like maybe a, you know, like a seven minute act and kind of like get themselves out there. I'm I'm two episodes in. I'm really digging this. I think only one comic that I listened to is kind of underwhelming. The rest of them have just been phenomenal. And I think it's really cool what Bill Burr is doing here. It's called Bill Burr Presents the Ringers. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. There's four episodes out right now. They're all on Comedy Central. If you want a great laugh, highly, highly, highly recommend fucking watching this. He'll even talk to them before they come out there. So you kind of get a feel for like who they are as a person before they get out there and he talks to them about stuff. It's really fucking cool. So, um, that's awesome. That's cool to give a platform to people that otherwise couldn't get the Netflix special or, yeah. you know, he basically says like, these are comedians that have been fucking touring, but they haven't been on TV yet. So like maybe this show is going to be like the, the difference that it makes for them. Like now they'll be able to put this in their resume. Maybe this is the, you know, maybe this is what's going to make them. So it's very, it's, it's pretty good. It's a pretty fucking great show. I saw the rhythm section in the theater. Uh, Neil, did you get a chance to see the rhythm section? I didn't, but I really wanted to. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, this one stars Ryan Reynolds' wife, Blake Lively. And I'm not, here's the thing. I'm not saying that because that's like what defines her. You know what I mean? Like I'm saying, mm-hmm. I'm saying it because like some people might not know that Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively are married. So it's, I'm not saying that, uh, to, to trigger you or invade your little safe space or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, kind of being a dick here, but if you were reviewing a Ryan Reynolds movie, I guess you could say like, Brian, if you were re- reviewing a Ryan Reynolds movie, would you say, uh, you know, Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively's husband? I probably wouldn't have, but if I bought up like, like Peter Sarsgaard, him starring in a movie, I probably would say he's married to Maggie Gyllenhaal. It just depends on the actor, really. You know what I mean? Mm, I agree with that. It's a little bit – he's a lot more known. Exactly. He's definitely the more famous of the two. Yeah, yeah. And, well, Maggie Gyllenhaal's definitely more famous, in my opinion, than Peter Sarsgaard. Like, uh, just circles I've run Agreed. in. Just circles I've run in, too. Like, people will be like – like, if I don't know these people, but I'm with somebody, and they're like, oh, that's so – that's that's Brian. That's so-and-so's friend. Don't get fucking offended. I'm not trying to say Blake Lively is not. She's up and coming. She really is up and coming. It's just one of those things. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a dick. Whatever. Fuck off. Um, 
I just think it's who's the bigger name, and I think she's a rising star right now. Anyway, uh, Blake Lively's in this movie. I'm the most insensitive Hollywood headline it, when she dies would probably be Blake Lively. Not so much. Don't you agree? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Blake Lively misadvertised. <laughs> Anyway, she stars as Stephanie Patrick in this, an ordinary woman on a path of self-destruction after her family is tragically killed in a plane crash. She's an orphan now. Yes, by definition. When Stephanie discovers that the crash was not an accident, she enters a dark, complex world to seek revenge on those responsible and find her own redemption. Based on the novel by Mark Burnell from director Reed Morano. Uh, she's the uh, director of the uh, Hands Made Tale on uh, Hulu. And uh, this one also is produced by the producers of the James Bond film series. The rhythm section also stars Jude Law and Sterling K. Brown. Let me just say, start off by saying this movie is not being... Uh, enjoyed by critics and audiences. Have you guys seen the Rotten Tomatoes score on this one? I have not. No, but I've heard bad things on Twitter. Yeah, let me see here. Uh, what is it on? I'm going to check and see here. I'm going to the Flickster app. Flickster. <laughs> doesn't Flickster sound like some kind of like home fucking flick of the bean kind of thing? Like a... Like a vibrator, Flickster. <laughs> Definitely, it sounds like if you don't have much time to flick it, what you would use. Oh, the old, yeah, dude. <laughs> you gotta flick it. You gotta flick it on the run. You know what I mean? Yeah, thank God for Flickster. Use it in the airport, real quick. Um, gotta catch that flight, but you gotta get one in. Anyway, oh yeah, uh, uh, critics are giving it. Uh, it's at a thirty-three percent, and the audience score is a forty-three percent. So, Ooh. yeah, it's 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 being kind of panned by critics and audiences. Let me start off by saying um, that uh, what this movie does well for me is in a lot of these movies where you've got somebody who's like not in the spy world that hasn't been you know, a spy has not been trained in combat is, you know, and, and it, we're dealing with a character here who has a lot to overcome. Since her parents died, she's become base. She's, she's living in London. She's living in a, kind of, like, I guess a brothel. She's, she's a drug addict and she's having sex for men for room and board and uh, any other expenses that she has or whatever. And so we're dealing with a character that's really gone gone through a lot here. Lost her parents. Um, she was supposed to be on that flight, but missed it. And uh, now she's alive and has to live with that. And um, and in a lot of these spy movies, Jake, where these people um, haven't been uh, spies, they've not been trained in combat, they've not been trained, you know, like firing, uh, you know, weapons and things like that. And, uh, you know, they're not trained to, like, get away and, like, car get away, chases and all this stuff. They kind of speed through that. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like when I watched Red Sparrow with uh, Jennifer uh, Law. What's her fucking name? Lawrence. Jen Lawrence. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. I felt like they kind of sped through her training a little bit. You know what I mean? And yeah. and I wasn't the biggest fan I agree of that. With that. Yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan of that. That's now, kind of the most one of the most interesting parts of that kind of story too. It's yes, like when the yes. superhero gets his powers and he's right. learning how to use his powers. It's the same type of fun. Case in point, Batman Begins. I think Christopher Nolan did a fantastic job 
of uh, mm-hmm. showing us, you know, Batman, like, you know, Bruce Wayne's origin of like how he became, you know, um, the Dark Knight and, and how he, he uh, you know, learned combat and everything. I, I, I really do. I, I think Christopher Nolan kind of nailed it in that movie. I thought it was fantastic. And so this movie, I really think that Reed Morano did a really fucking great job uh, of showing us like what it would be like for somebody in her situation to come across somebody who was like former MI6 training her and going going through an eight month process of like learning how to be a spy and learning how to do all this shit. But on the flip side, when she goes out there for her fit first mission, she's not fucking ready. And you feel it, man. You fucking feel it in this movie. The car chase is not pretty, but it's filmed beautifully, in my opinion. It keeps going. Uh, the way the camera's moving is like it's looking like they're showing her face. They're showing how bumpy this car ride is, how she's trying to get away. Then they're like, uh, sh- like then they get a shot of like the streets that she's on and her like trying to get people out of the way and trying to dodge cars and shit. And then like. Like they'll shoot back to her face when like these people are on her tail and you can see it on her face and the way she's reacting like oh my god they're back she is scared out of her fucking mind and it's she's just running on pure fucking adrenaline and she's not ready for this she's not fucking charlie's throne in atomic blonde yet like she's not at that fucking level and i think this movie does a great job of that showing us like what it would be like if you're you know you're learning these things you're incorporate. You've got this training, but you're not ready. And um, there's times where she's asked to kill people, and she's crying because she can't do it, dude. And that doesn't mean she's fucking weak. If I was put in those situations, and I've got somebody saying I've got a family, I've got kids, I'm going to be conflicted. It has nothing to do with gender. This, I think, this movie is done very well in those regards. Um, it, it it does, but. We, we're not always getting those scenes and it may be a little bit slow burning for some. Um, overall, I, I really enjoyed this film a lot more than most people and, uh, I'm gonna give it a high taste it and I, I don't think, I think that's that's my opinion, and I don't think everybody going into this movie and leaving this movie is gonna feel the exact same way. But I thought that Blake Lively did a fantastic job in the film. Reed Morano did a great job with the the action scenes felt real and felt gritty. They it felt for me it, this was like the closest I felt to like somebody actually being thrown into these situations and the realness of it. And I don't think audiences want that right now. I feel like audiences want John Wick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Audiences want Atomic Blonde. They don't want this. Um. <clears throat> But I, I liked it. I really enjoyed the fucking movie. I'm going to give it a high taste it. And uh, judge for yourself, though. Watch this one. Judge for yourself. Nice. Can I ask you what specifically the general audiences are not liking about this? Do you know? Like, are you inside their head on it? I don't know. I think maybe at the end of the day, it's maybe uh, at the at the end of the day, it's a little confusing because at the end it was it did get a little confusing to me as far as like what's actually going on. It's not your typical spy story either, where it's like, oh, we got to find the list, the list. You know, there's this list that's going to get out, or this data that's going to get out, or whatever. Yeah. But um. You know, I, I appreciate it. I honestly, I haven't read the audience reviews to give you like a concrete answer, but I, I, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but overall, I, I, 
I think I enjoyed this movie a lot more because this is something that I've been asking for. I've been asking for a movie to not fucking take shortcuts and give me a character that's actually like, you know, learns this stuff but isn't ready for it. And it feels like that because I felt like Jennifer Lawrence, as soon as she gets out of that Sparrow program, she's fucking like Black Widow, you know? And so yeah, like, I agree. It's like one extreme or the other. It's either that kind of thing, or th- or they do it purely for laughs, where it's like, oh, they are like learning how to be a spy, but it's you know, it's fucking the Melissa McCarthy movie, or it's yeah. Spy Hard, or it's oh, Spies God. Like Us, or whatever. I'll tell you that Melissa McCarthy movie, Spy, pretty fucking funny, pretty good. I liked yeah. it. That's a Paul Feig movie, right? Yeah, it's really good. I think it is Paul Feig, Jason Statham, really fucking good. Really, and I'm not the hugest. Like uh, Melissa McCarthy comedy fan, I like her more in the dramatic stuff these days. So, Agreed. Yeah, um, I'll talk real quick about this one. Gretel and Hansel went and saw that one in the theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the trailers for this look pretty crazy. Neil, did you see this one? I didn't, but <laughs> I really want to hear what you have to say about it. A long time ago, in a distant fairy tale countryside, a young girl leads her little brother into a dark wood in desperate search of food and or, and work only to stumble upon a nexus of terrifying evil. Uh, it's directed by Oz Perkins. He also goes by Osgood Perkins. Just depends on the day, apparently. Uh, <laughs> he's directed a few movies. He's mainly an actor, but he directed uh, I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House and The Black Coat's Daughter. I have not seen either of these. Uh, this one stars Sophia Lillis and Sam Leakey. They portray the main characters alongside Charles Babalola, Jessica DeGau, and Alice Krieg. Uh, Sophia Lillis, she was Beverly in It, just in case you were curious. And Alice Krieg was the Borg Queen in First Contact. There you go. There you go. Um... Yeah, this movie, wow, uh, it's an hour and a half. Uh, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's very stylistic and I think it, like they're, they're, uh, it's a grim fairy tale and they're trying to, I don't know. It's, what's weird about this one too is like they're playing like this synthy 80s music, which is like really popular in like Stranger Things and, you know, Mandy and, and some of these movies that we've been watching, you know, where they try to like, yeah, reignite our 80s nostalgia. But it doesn't work. Yeah, but why here? It, yeah, it doesn't, it, it doesn't work in this fucking grim fairy tale. Uh, the music was a little off-putting. Um, the, it, it's, 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 everything's so dimly lit and dingy. It just looks gross. <laughs> it, I don't know. It looks, it's like a fucking tool video. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> fucking meat in the pipes. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I wasn't the biggest fan of this movie. I'm just gonna go ahead and give it a low taste. It bordering, uh, really bordering on a toss it on this one. I I was not scared. The trailer I thought was phenomenal. Great visuals in this one. Um, you, and here's another <laughs> fucking. Uh, uh, basically you got this, you know, they give this story, there's a twist in this too, but you got this story of like, you know, this, uh, woman, this girl that was born out of dark evil and like the family like leaves her in the woods and then she grows up in the woods and then makes this house and then lures children in there and she's a witch and, and she can also control nature and shit like that. And that becomes a big part of this. And, and, uh, she's basically grooming, uh, Sophia Lillis's character to be like the next, you know, witch, but she's gotta, you know, she's gotta break those bonds with her, with her brother. And, um, 
I don't know. There's there's an interesting twist in this one. I didn't necessarily hate this movie, but I I wasn't in love with it either. I, I felt like it was kind of slow at times. Um, I don't know. I, there's not a lot I can say about this that's favorable. It, it just really – I think my audience was kind of pissed off at this one. I, I did like it more than The Turning. The Turning was absolute crap. Um, so I did like it more than the turning, but, uh, that's not saying much here with this Were one. Were people laughing at this at all? Was it getting that kind of react? No, no, not it at was all. Just, it was just kind of boring, huh? Yeah, yeah. And it's not doing good in the box office. Um, neither is, uh, neither is the rhythm section. So the, the top three movies right now, 1917, Doolittle, wait, uh, Bad Boys, and then 1917 and Doolittle are in the top three. And then uh, Gretel and Hansel came in fourth. And then Rhythm Section came in behind that. And uh, that had a big budget, and it only made $3.1 million. Oof. Oh, yeah, that's a bomb. Oh, no, it came in eighth place. Eighth place. Gretel and Hansel came in fourth. Wow. Ooh, yeah, you would have expected it to be Hansel and Gretel or Gretel and Hansel. And Gretel and Hansel didn't have a big budget, so like that with six point one million is not too bad for that. But uh yeah, the Blake Lively movie at three point one million in eighth place on the first weekend is not good. Yeah. Gretel and Hansel, are they orphans? Fuck it's got a C plus, it's got a C plus. Uh rating. What what was that, Jake? Are are Gretel and Hansel orphans? They are totally orphans, dude. The mom, a bad, I was going to get into that. Thank you for reminding me. The mom goes fucking crazy and kicks them out of the house. So I guess she abandoned them. Yeah. Wow. Into the woods too. Yeah. Knowing there's like witches there. Yeah, totally. There's witches and, uh, yeah, she sends them to, she sends her daughter to like this, uh, place to like work for this guy. And this guy's not interested in her fucking, you know, cleaning the house. Like, He's interested in basically uh, having sex with her, which is super fucking creepy Ugh. because she's a child. So, yeah, that is creepy. Yeah. Is the house still made of candy in this version? No, it's not made of candy. It's made of wood. <laughs> it's a wooden house, but she still. Yeah, how's that luring kids? She's still making. Uh, well, she like the kids are hungry as shit, and they look inside, and she's got like this all this fucking food in there, and we know she's got, it. Like a real nice air fryer. Well, we know what the food's made out of if you're familiar with the grim fairy tale. And yeah, yes, they, yes, it's, yes. it's very graphic uh, when it comes <laughs> to that reveal in the fucking Soylent Green is made of people. Oh, <laughs> I love Soylent Green. We watched that in chemistry cr- class in my uh, great movie. junior year. Our chemistry teacher had us watch Soylent Green. Yeah, Charlton Heston, people. <laughs> <clears throat> Great fucking One of his movie. best deliveries is that line. Yeah. Oh, so good. He was great at delivering those lines. Oh, man. Damn dirty ape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I watched a documentary. Neil, did you get a chance? I don't know. Jake, you, you had a busy week. I don't, did you guys watch 30 Years of Garbage? No, I did not. I did not. I did watch the trailer for it. Yeah, I got to watch it. Yeah, 30 Years of Garbage, the Garbage Pail Kids story. Yes, uh, if you were a child in the 80s, you remember Garl. You remember Garl. What the fuck? It's like I, it's like I choked on garbage there. Um, <laughs> you remember the Garbage Pail Kids. Um, 
Yeah, this is uh, it's on Fandango. I was hoping to find it streaming somewhere, and it's not streaming anywhere. But you can rent it on Fandango now for the low, low price of three ninety nine. And uh, it basically gets into like the whole origin of the garbage. Uh, why, why do I keep saying garbage? <laughs> the gargle pail. Kids. Like, I want to say Gargamel. The Gargamel kids. <laughs> I want to talk about all the Ill- illegitimate children that Gargamel had on the Smurfs. Apparently, oh, I'm sure there's a lot. Oh man, I bet he orphaned a t- fuck ton of kids. I don't know. He's oh. he's not an attractive man. I can't believe. You know what I mean? I can't imagine Gargamel just fucking slaying ass. <laughs> No, yeah, I agree. That's, I mean, his whole plan is to make Smurfs into gold. Like, how else is he going to get wealth? Yeah. Is that, is that considered alchemy? I would say yes. Yeah, I would say yes, too. Judges? <laughs> judges? Yes. Ding. What made you the judge there, Dale? I was the only one who had an answer to it. Uh, I like it. I, thank you. Um, <laughs> oh, God, I love your connection this time so much more. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrifying earlier. It was so bad. It was <laughs> It was like speaking to like a ghost or something. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah, Neil from the Afterlife. Yeah. As I felt well, like we weren't recording a podcast but more like conducting a séance. <laughs> and it wasn't going well. <laughs> An angry spirit. So yeah, this, this documentary is called 30 Years of Garbage, The Garbage Pail Kids Story. And, uh, Neil, are you too old for Garbage Pail Kids or too young? Uh, I caught the very tail end of the fad. Like I was just coming into being able to see, like recognize things as being cool. Yeah. Um, right at the very end of it. So it was definitely a little before my time, but I, I remember uh, I had a friend who had an older sister who really liked him, and I remember looking at all those cards then with with him. Well, these are yeah, these are cards, trading cards, came with a shitty stick of gum, and the art was just for the time was, and, and it was directed towards kids, and these and these garbage pill kids looked like Cabbage Patch kids, and. Um, <laughs> they were just disgusting. They were just disgusting looking <laughs> kids, like kids like with snot all over them. What was a atom bomb with like a kid, his head exploding. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Just, you know, just disgusting kids, kids with, uh, what, they had like acne, Amy, and this girl with zits all over her face and shit. And just like all the snot. Yeah. Yeah. Just fucking vom- vomit, vomit, kids puking. <laughs> All the, <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff we loved when we were kids. We were, we were like, we always talked about poop and vomit and snot. So it's like, these are, these are like entire like fish bones in the vomit. I remember too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. The whole anatomy of the fish was coming out like as the, a skeleton. Like, like these kids had the diet of a stray cat. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, like they get into the whole origin and like some of these guys that were doing these cards, they worked on wacky packages. Jake, do you remember Wacky packages? I do. Dude, I, d- I loved wacky packages. I had a, a sticker book, and my, I had a sticker book when I was a kid, and I would like collect garbage pail kids. I had to hide them from my parents because my parents hated them. But I had garbage pail kids, and I had wacky packages, and I remember like, <laughs> they had like one that was called, remember the, the uh, headache medicine, Anison? It was called Bananason. 
And it was, it was like, it was like, there's like a monkey with a headache and shit. And I was just like, these are so funny. And I fucking loved wacky packages. Uh, this gets into like, you know, the original artists that drew them and they painted them. They, they had John Pound, this artist that was painting these garbage pill kids, uh, gets into how like these educators hated the garbage pill kids and they banned them from schools and some of the quotes here from like people that were like against the garbage pill kids like these were being banned from schools i remember going like my school kids were able to bring them in and out on the playground kids were showing off their garbage pill kids i remember one kid had like all the garbage pill kids collections that had come out you know like first like two or three sets or whatever and he'd bring them to school but uh, there were quotes. They had a quote here, like they were sh- quoting him in the newspaper. And this was from Jacques Cousteau, the French underwater explorer. And he said, parents, if you do not react immediately and energetically to this mind pollution, don't be surprised if your children go off the deep end and end up on cocaine. Mm, logical stuff. Yeah, I know. Garbage pill kids to fucking cocaine. A New York, <laughs> a, 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 a newspaper clipping, another newspaper clipping was a New York Times report quotes the unhappy mother of a Massapequa Park, New York seven year old girl who collected garbage pail kids. The woman pointed to a character named Dead Fred, a cigar smoking juvenile gangster with a bulldog entering his forehead. Quote, my daughter said, I like this one. My dolly would like, my dolly would look nice with its head blown off too. (laughs) (laughs) That that sounds like some made up shit from an angry mom. Yeah. I mean, who knows though? I mean, kids say weird ass shit. Well, anyway, the documentary goes into, you know, how psychiatrists were fearing that this is going to teach innocent minds to laugh at violence and deformity and pain and, and, uh, just how it just, people were just scared of the garbage pail kits. And, uh, but they, they kept selling. Um, Neil, what did you, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but what did you think about the documentary? Uh, I thought the documentary overall was pretty well done. Um, it was, it was really nice to hear from all those, all those artists and creators, like the, the guy who, who, uh, wrote and drew mouse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can't remember his Spiegelman. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it was, it was, it was really interesting. Cause I mean, I, again, I was at the very tail end of the, the of the fad, um, and it was, it was, it was, but it was really interesting to to hear about how it all came about, and just the, the entire story of this stuff, and how and how many people are still obsessed with it. It's, it's. It, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I thought it was really interesting too. They had, uh, um, they were showing like uh, they what, uh, some of the cards. They had this, yeah, they had the card Acne Amy. And it's, and it, and you could like, it said connect the zits and find out what acne Amy found to eliminate her acne problem forever. And when you connected the zits, it's a fucking revolver aimed at her head. I was like, holy fucking shit. Pretty dark. (laughs) It's dark as fuck. I can't believe that they were doing this. But anyway, uh, you know, it gets into them getting sued by the Cabbage Patch Kids. Um, you know, company and then, uh, coming to find out Xavier Roberts, the guy behind Cabbage Patch Kids, he was sued by a woman who created these dolls in the seventies called doll babies that looked like the inspiration of the Cabbage Patch Kids. <laughs> totally. Didn't they, Neil? Yes, they did. Uh, 
They talked about a Cabbage Patch Kids cartoon that never aired. I think they released it on DVD back in 2006, though. I think you can watch all those episodes on YouTube, too. They talked I about see that movie. The movie, I've seen it, dude. It's fucking yeah, terrible. It it's uh, John Ast, not John Aston. Um, what's the it's his son, right? It's John Aston's son. It's uh, Sean Aston's half brother. I can't remember what his name is, but his last name's Aston. Um, he's and, in the magicians. I know that. And he's also, he was also in facts of life. That's like where I remember his start. Mm. He was doing the facts of life. And then he did that movie. The movie's terrible, but it's fucking, and they <laughs> interviewed some of the little people that were in that movie, the actors and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, I, as far, like, I don't think you could get a more definitive garbage pail kids documentary than this no but on the flip i'll give it a high taste it and i it's yeah, me too if you if you're like interested at all go to fandango now i think it's on voodoo too you can run it for 3.99 and um i highly recommend it i thought it was uh, uh you know it's like one of those things where i think the only way you could have made this better is if you would have got like the people behind the toys that made us to do this because i think they do yeah. it with a little bit more flair you know what i mean yeah, exactly. The documentary itself was well done. Yeah. It could have been better. Right. Yeah. I'll pass it off to Jake. I know you don't have anything this week, but, um, Neil, uh, what do you Yeah, got? I got something. I got, uh, I went, I was really high the other night and just kind of sc screwing around on Amazon Prime and I started watching, uh, Troop Zero. Hmm. On, on Amazon Prime. It's, uh, Let's see. Let me pull up the synopsis. It's in rural 1977 Georgia. A misfit girl dreams of life in outer space. When a competition offers her a chance to be recorded on NASA's golden record, she recruits a makeshift troop of birdie scouts for forging friendships that last a lifetime. Uh, it stars McKenna Grace, Viola Davis, oh, Jim yeah. Gaffigan, I and Allison Janney. I saw that they've been... Like, I've seen this trailer on Amazon Prime, and I've seen uh, fucking IMDB.com has been, like, really plugging this one. How was mm -hmm. it? I, I love Jim Gaffigan. Me too. He's one of my favorite comedians. I've seen I him mean, twice. Love... I've seen him twice in person. I, oh, nice. I think he's fantastic. He's so funny. Um, he plays McKenna Grace's dad. He's like a country lawyer, basically, who has money issues because he, his clients can't pay him. Uh, Viola Davis plays his uh, secretary, and she ends up, she's the one who he puts in charge of the troop when his daughter wants to join. Like to, They have to create their own because Allison Janney is the head of the main girls' troop, and uh, they won't let him in. And McKenna Grace's best friend is this young gay kid, and uh, it's, it's, a really, it's a really nice, light story about just this girl who, who really is really smart and she's a little off from the other girls. And, um, yeah, it's very delightful. <laughs> there's, there's one scene, uh, you know, that iconic reservoir dogs scene where they're all in the suits walking with that music playing in the background. Yeah. They recreate that with all these young little girls. It's really funny. It looked like it was trying to be kind of like, uh, like a Wes Anderson type film. I got some serious Wes Anderson vibes from it. Um, like, especially with some of the shots where it's like a really long shot. Yeah. And you have one character kind of traversing across the screen. Um, 
there's a lot of that stuff in there. It, it, I gave it a, I, I'll give it a high tasted. I, I really enjoyed it. It's not something I would generally seek out, but I, I'm really glad I watched it because it was it was just a fun story and it was some really good performances by Gaffigan and Janney and McKenna Grace and Viola Davis, uh, nice. who's always excellent. Maybe I'll check it out if if I want to watch something like really light. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to watch it, it, something I mean, too heavy. I definitely like was. I definitely teared up with 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 like joyful tears a couple of times. Yeah, um, you know, there's it's kind of like the the plot is kind of formulaic in that it hits all like the the normal beats where it goes from you know one point to the next point, and then you have the big showdown at the end. But it was really well done. Um, yeah, I give it a high taste, and I liked it a lot. Okay, McKenna Grace is she going to have the same kind of like celebrity trajectory as a Dakota Fanning? I could definitely see that happening. Uh, she, yeah. She's she's been in a lot of stuff. She's been in a lot of stuff. Is she going to go Dakota Fanning? Is she going to go fucking What's that kid's name? What was that kid's name? The AI kid. Oh. Six Sense oh, kid. Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> I don't know. I Haley have, Joel Osment. I mean, he's still working and I know Dakota Fanning's still working, still getting every once in a while still getting a but like her sister's killing her, right? You know, L mm-hmm. Fanning. And same thing with the Olsen twins. Like those girls like they just, they went away. Nobody gives a fuck about the Olsen twins except for like their younger sister. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, uh, Scarlet Witch girl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's a really good young actor. She is. Uh, I, you just never know with these child actors, like what's, what Hollywood's going to do with them. Yeah. Uh, once they get older, like if they're going to stick, you know, I mean, every once in a while you'll get a Jodie Foster who like, you know, mm-hmm. who stays around her like her entire career, but then you'll get or Natalie Portman or Natalie Portman, right? Yeah, you never know. You never know. I wonder. I wonder what's going to happen to McKenna Grace. I hope. Yeah, I hope she can make it, man. You never know with these fucking kids. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah, but Troop Zero it was a, it was a lot of fun. I, I recommend it if you have Amazon Prime. It's just a nice little movie. Speaking of Amazon Prime, I saw, I don't know why I said it like that, sorry. Um, <laughs> I watched uh, a movie out of New Zealand called Mega Time Squad. Yeah, does it sound ridiculous? <laughs> yes, the movie is Time fun. Squad? Mega Time, not Squat. Where, uh, <laughs> Mega Time Squad, like Suicide Squad. Oh, I was like, I've had a few of those. <laughs> yeah, Mega Time Squad on the toilet. Uh, God, you'd rather be doing something else, but fuck, you gotta sit there in the <laughs> toilet and you gotta fucking let nature run its course, am I right? Christ. Yeah, yeah they got their cell phones now. It's like you think you're done, you think you're fucking done, and it's like, no, you're not. Stomach's still gurgling. Something's going, <laughs> something's going on there. Your body's letting you know something's going on. It's, you're gonna be on there a mega time, a lot of time. <laughs> I hate it, man. I hate it. I hate it. I remember I had to record. A, I've never said this, but I had to record. I was getting ready to record an episode of Scenic Cast with Steve and Kova, and uh, I never told them this or anybody this. I, and I kept. I, I was like, guys, I'll be back in a few minutes, and they're like, oh, don't worry about it, dude. I was on the goddamn toilet, and my stomach is just doing like all this fucking crazy shit, and I just felt. I, I felt like I was holding up the podcast. Kind of like, you know, like it, my stomach sounded like Neil's gargling and shit before <laughs> he, sw- he he switched to his phone and started using his phone internet. 
I felt so bad for the scenic cast guys. I was just like, Christ, I'm keeping these guys waiting for me, and I'm fucking here sitting on the porcelain god, and my stomach is just doing some insane bullshit, and my ass was just exploding that day. It was it was insanity what was going on in my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Mega Time Squad on Amazon Prime. A small town, a small town criminal finds an ancient Chinese time travel device that can help him pull off a heist and start a new life, but he may not survive the consequences of tampering with time. The castle meets Looper. Mega Time Squad is a, uh, the castle meets Looper. Mega Time Squad is a study in high meets low, combining elements of the sci-fi, the, the, uh, the crime thriller, and the comedy to make a comedy heist with a time-traveling twist. It's directed, written and directed by Tim Van Damon. Van, Van Damon! Tim Van Damon. <laughs> his last name. Little kids must love saying his last name because it sounds like a dirty word. Van Damon. Then they can say it around their parents. Mom, this movie is directed by Tim Van Damon. I love, I love those kind of words when I, like, I used to love saying Jean-Claude Van Damme around my parents because his last name is a curse word. Van Damme. <laughs> I, I get away with it. You know what I mean? Anyway. Yeah, Van Damon. All right, all right. Now we know what you're yeah, doing. Well, I, I, <laughs> go to your room. <laughs> and I'm gonna look for those garbage pail kids. You bet your ass. <laughs> you said ass. Anyway, yeah, this movie uh, it was filmed 100% in New Zealand with uh, actors from New Zealand. And uh, I'm not gonna talk a lot about this one. I am gonna tell you that, like, if you love, like, um, you know, like, like, like that Taika Waititi. Yeah, New Zealand humor. There's a ton of it here, and there's he really has a lot of fun with time travel. Um, you've got this criminal who like he'll use this device, this uh, this uh, Chinese travel device to like go back and and uh, you know go back in time. But when he goes back in time, he can encounter past selves that were doing things as well. It's it, and and so like at one point, there's like five of him on the screen, and it, it gets it's really fun. I. I thought the the comedy was really good in this one. Um, all the actors, I couldn't tell you any of their names, but I think that they did a great job. Uh, it's really funny. I thought it was really funny. There's a part where one of the characters, just a real quick joke, one of the characters is wearing shoes, these white sneakers, and he wrote, you know, D-O and P-E on his shoes, so it spells dope, but he, like, has his legs crossed, and so it says pedo (laughs) and so his friends are giving him shit and laughing at him for wearing pedo shoes and i thought that this movie was just very charming and very funny and it's literally like an hour and 20 minutes and you can watch it on amazon prime it's called mega time squad and i highly recommend it i'll give it a high taste it bordering on a tupperware but i'll give it a high taste it it's really funny I also watched Little America on Apple TV+. Plus. All episodes are available now. So this is, Apple Plus is doing it a little bit different with this show. Uh, I know with like the morning show, with For All Mankind, C, uh, you know, Truth Be Told, those shows, they're releasing those one week at a time. They, they'll drop three episodes, I believe, at the beginning. Servant as well. They'll drop three episodes and then everything else comes out weekly. With Little America, they drop the whole season. Now, I'll be honest, I've only watched the first episode. 
but I'm, this is something that I'm going to be coming back to. It's inspired by the true stories featured by Epic Magazine. Little America will go beyond the headlines to look at the funny, romantic, heartfelt, inspiring, and surprising stories of immigrants in America when they're more relevant now than ever. So uh, I'll also point out this is an anthology series, and it's executive produced by Kumail Nanjiani and his wife, Emily V. Gordon, or Emily V. Gordon and her husband, Kumail Nanjiani. I just don't want to upset anybody. <laughs> um, but I watched the first episode. It's called The Manager, and it's directed by Deepa Mehta, and it stars Suraj Sharma, Ishan Gandhi, and Ishan Inamdar. And it's about after Kabir's parents get deported, he takes over the management. I know we're going to get into some orphan stuff here, Jake. He, they're not. He, I don't think he's an orphan. They just get deported. So I don't think you're like an orphan at that point. When you get to, when the parents get deported, they're still in existence. They want to be reunited with him, but I, would you? Yeah, go, you know where they are. You yeah, know they still love you. Yeah, we're not looking at an orphan situation here. But after Kabir's parents get deported, he takes over the management in their motel, still visiting school at the time, totally on his own. He tries to convince the government to bring his parents back to him. After a chance to speak to the first lady, with no results. He seems to give up all hopes. Years later, his parents are finally allowed to return. Even though they are very happy to see him in their motel again, their relationship has changed due to all the years apart. Now, the guys, this is based on a true story. And I was just kind of blown away by this. I First off, I got to watch the rest of the series. Um, I think it is. I think that this is great. I think it's awesome that they're showing like these true stories of immigrants we, we kind of like since like since we were born in america i guess like we kind of take it for granted but you know it, it's one of those things where you realize like what a struggle it is like when these parents get deported to get them back into the country like this kid is left they leave him in america and they have him under this guardian that doesn't care about him at all just like i guess kind of like a loose friend of the family like not close to this kid at all and he's 12 years old and he's running this motel as a 12 year old. And, um, before his parents leave, this kid is super smart. And his dad says that if he learns every word in the dictionary, that he'll buy him a Trans Am. So this kid goes all out on this bet. <laughs> he goes all out on this bet and starts like memorizing the dictionary and learning all these words. And then his parents are deported and he's still studying all these words to the point where he is a finalist in these spelling bee championships. And that takes him to like the biggest spelling bee championship in the United States. And it gets him the opportunity to meet the first lady at the time. And like the first thing, like he's talking about who he is and then he pulls out this piece of paper because like in the moment you're like, you realize that he He's he really has thought about this. He wants his parents back and he wrote it all on paper so he wouldn't forget it. And he pulls it out and he reads like this heartfelt like my parents, you know, they were deported. I want them back. Can you help me? And he's kind of just brushed off and they move on to the next kid. And um I I was like I was like brought to tears by the end of this one. Um, you know, and you see how it affected him. He kind of becomes, has a little bit of a drinking problem and, but on the flip side, he's like worked so hard. He's worked so hard. I think he did his parents proud when they came back and they saw like 
the motel and the shape that it was in and what he's done since they've been gone. And like they were gone for years, years and years and years. He's an adult man by the time they come back. Um, this show is phenomenal and I'm only one episode in and I can't wait to, to watch this more. I think more people need to watch this. Maybe trick your, I don't know, trick your bigot grandpa into watching this one. <laughs> <laughs> this show those are always fun times exactly yeah hey let's watch this show it's a little america it's about america it's american american and then you know <laughs> maybe you can get your bigot grandpa to fucking shed a tear here and not be so much of a, a bigot anyway <laughs> we all have one shut up anyway yep. this this show it was renewed for a second season uh in december prior to the series premiere. So Apple TV Plus has a lot of faith in this show, and uh, I can't wait to continue watching it. I highly, highly recommend this one. It's called Little America. Sounds really cool. I, it, how many episodes are there all together that were I, released at once? I'm going to guess 8 to 10. Um, okay. They all dropped. They all dropped, and they dropped them all the same day. So Was that an hour program? Uh, 30 minutes, I believe. Oh man, that's a lot of story in 30 minutes. Yeah, I love, that's what I love about Servant, man. Servant's just fucking 30 minutes and it's like fucking 30 minutes of just awesomeness. Uh, Servant, Tupperware the fuck out. If you're not watching Servant on Apple TV Plus, get on that shit. Tony Bascalop, the showrunner for that, is just killing it on that fucking show. Cannot wait for a second season of Servant. Um, is this the last thing I'm gonna be talking about? Yeah, it is. I watched Infinite Dendrogram. This is a uh, new anime. Uh, you can watch it on Hulu, and you can watch it on Funimation. Jake, I was talking to you about this one early in the week, telling you yeah. I've been watching this one. Uh, in the year 2043, Infinite Dendrogram, the world's first successful full-dive VR MMO, was released. In addition to its ability to perfectly simulate the five senses, along with its many other amazing features, the game promised to offer players a world full of infinite possibilities. Nearly two years later, soon-to-be college freshman Raiji Mukadori is finally able to buy a copy of the game and start playing. With some help from his experienced older brother, Shu, and his partner, Embryo, Raiji embarks on an adventure into the world of Infinite Dendrogram. Just what will he discover and encounter in this game, world known for its incredible realism and infinite possibilities? So, yes, it's, so far, so far, it, Jake, it's not like Sword Art Online so far as to, par, as, as to where like these characters, like when they die in the game, they die in real life. That's how that worked, right? Yes. Yeah, because I watched I watched that first season of Sword Art. It was like all a big trick. Basically. Yeah, this is not like that. Like it hasn't gotten to that point. Like, and I don't know if it will. Uh, only four episodes are out. I've watched all four so far. Uh, if you want to wait two weeks after the uh, episodes have been aired on Funimation, you can watch the uh, dubbed version. Uh, I couldn't wait, so I just watched. I've watched the first one dubbed, and then I watched the next three subbed. Um, but in the game, it, it's very, it's very cool so far. You've got what's called Tians, and those are like the, the NPCs of this world in Infinite Dendrogram. And if the NPCs in this game die, they're dead forever. And what's fucked up about it is that their AI is so advanced, it feels like you're losing a real person in this game. And like, these are people that you can become friends with in the game if you help them on their mission. And not everybody is getting these same missions. Um, Raiji gets a level five mission, his first fucking moment stepping foot into the game, 
which is wild. It just doesn't happen like that. Um, and then if you die in the game when you're playing it, you're banned from the game for 24 hours. But by the time you come back to the game, three days have already passed. So time works differently in the game. It moves a little bit faster. Um, you come back as the same person, too? You do come back as the same person. But three days have passed. So who knows what you've missed. The whole world could be different. And part of the world does get different here. You've got what's called player killers. So these are people that are like that they're players in the game but they're player killers that are going around killing other players and they've start up these different factions one in the east one in the uh west south and then north and um so like like that's how uh, raiji fucking comes across one in the north and that's how he ends up dying, like this north one. And the north one is so mysterious. Nobody's ever seen what he really looks like. They've only seen his embryo. And embryos are kind of like um, like your, I guess, like a character that like can follow. It's like an NPC, but it it's like one that you work with. Like it's like a character that follows you that you can battle with. I don't know how to. Like a familiar. Yeah, yeah. So um, he's got his own, and his his embryo turns into a uh, into a weapon that he can use. And uh, other embryos, like he he parties up with this one other dude, and his embryo just actually just stays the way she is, and goes around and fights with him, and she's fucking badass. Um, but um, yeah, and he's got he's got these fucking arm bracers, and on the bracers it's got like this jewel, and he's like also kind of like an animal tamer, and he can store all these animals in the jewel and use them when he wants to. And so far, he used like this fucking it's like a iron triceratops. It looks like a triceratops made out of metal and shit, and they're fighting like this huge fucking like <laughs> ogre, and uh, the triceratops is battling it and shit. Dude, this I'm I'm I, I it's. Oh, and there's parts in this that that are just like playing like an MMO, like an RP, uh, like an RPG. He's the currency in this in this world is called Lear, and um, he saved up a hundred thousand Lear to purchase a paper that it's going to grant him access into these dungeons so he can fight. And he wants to go to these dungeons because the player killers are in every other area, and he wants to level up, but the player killers aren't in this dungeon, so. He fucking saves up a hundred thousand lire and he sh- buys this paper, goes to this dungeon and they give him free access because he's a paladin. All paladins get in for free. And he didn't know that. So he's like, uh-huh. you see his character get on the ground and he's like, Oh no, why did I do that? And that's the same kind of shit you come across in like video, like these RPGs, like, like, um, you know, you'll see that every once in a while. You, you spend all this fucking money in game currency on something, and you get there, and they're like, "Oh, level tens can get in here for free." <laughs> You're like, "Fuck," <laughs> you know. Um, I I'm in love with this fucking show. This fucking sounds cool. It is, or is your avatar you, or do you like you can someone different? You can make it you. You can make it you. He did. He made it look like him in the face, but he changed the hair color. 
And that's all he really did. And then um, his brother's in the game, and his brother's been playing the game for two years, and his brother's like a level fucking 200. And I guess his brother was involved in some fucking shit that pissed some people off. So now his brother wears a costume of like this bear over himself so like nobody knows who he really is so that's some shit that's going to come up later in the series i'm sure but i fucking love infinite dendrogram tupperware the fuck out of this one i absolutely am in love with this anime it is so awesome yeah it sounds really cool i'll definitely have to check that out and you say there's four episodes right now so far yeah there's four episodes you can watch the first two dubbed on uh funimation um I don't know if they're dubbed on Hulu yet, but you can watch the first two dubbed on Funimation. And then I think it, it takes them like two weeks to get these dubbed. So, uh, but you can watch the first four now. And it comes out, I think, every Thursday. I don't know. What was June? What was uh, January 30th? Mm, a Thursday. There, yeah, it comes out every Thursday. So you'll be able to watch new episodes here in the U.S. on Thursday. Oh, my cat just sneezed three times. That was a triple sneeze. He, he, <laughs> you are so fucking adorable. Christ. Oh, my God. Oh, that cat sneeze is adorable. Anyway, <laughs> you guys ready to take a break? Oh, yeah. Sure. All right. Let's break it up. We'll be right back with the Pop Culture Leftovers news. I love the awkward pause of the reaction of of us resuming. <laughs> it's a hard one to come back from. Jake, Jake doesn't even know how to handle himself right now. He's like, ah. I don't even know what's going on. It was such a good break. I'm just like, oh. Yeah. Let's jump into the Marvel news. Uh, Mar- not Marvel news. Let's jump into the... Whoa. <laughs> yeah, let's jump into the news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's the lift of a news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. Yeah. THR's uh, Heat Vision newsletter had a uh, Transformers movie exclusive this past week. New Transformers movies in the works with Zodiac, Army of the Dead writers. Joby Harold, who co-wrote the upcoming Zack Snyder zombie movie, Army of the Dead, and James Vanderbilt, perhaps best known for writing David Fincher's Zodiac, have been tapped to pen separate scripts as the companies pursue concurrent development. The move comes over a year since December 2018, release of the last Transformers-related pick, Bumblebee, that outing a 1980s set spinoff focusing on one of the most popular characters was the most critically acclaimed Transformers movie, although it generated the least of the entries, $468 million worldwide. Takes on the direction of the new projects were not revealed, but Paramount and Hasbro see the hires as giving the franchise a chance to build out multiple arcs and to also expand the Transformers universe. Now, we did get rumors on what these projects were, though. 
from a separate uh, media outlet, and I'll talk about those here in a moment. But anyway, we've got uh, Harold Joby. Is it? No, it's Joby Harold. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell the difference. <laughs> the, the, ooh, uh, Harold, <laughs> Harold Joby. Who gives a fuck? Joby. Um, Harold wrote uh, Guy Ritchie's King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, and worked on John Wick Chapter 2 and John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. Uh, Vanderbilt's most recent credit was uh, Netflix's Adam Sandler hit Murder Mystery. You see, Netflix fucking signed them up for four more four more movies at two hundred seventy five million. Wow! No, I did not. Yeah, they're getting in bed to Sandler a little bit more. Two hundred seventy five million for four more fucking movies. They're happy with that guy. Christ. I did see somewhere like there's an insane amount of views that he gets for those Netflix movies. Yeah, they kind of. It's what's weird about those is like we don't know how how Netflix considers a view. I as as most recently they I think they said like if somebody watches something for two minutes, it's considered a view now. Huh. Mm, that's kind of cheating. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, he also, Vanderbilt also co-wrote the Andrew Garfield starring Amazing Spider-Man movies and penned and directed the newsroom drama Truth starring Kate Blanchett and Robert Redford. So, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, like, I don't, I don't think it's always a great indication to like look at what, what they've done and then try to like compare it to like what they're about to do. Um, sometimes, because look at what Akiva Goldsman is doing recently and like akiva goldsman jake is a guy we've panned in the past but like look what he's done his last two things that he's done the Titans season one fucking incredible in my opinion and akiva goldsman is uh look what he's doing with uh kurtzman picard picard that's what i'm saying he's working with kurtzman on picard um so I, I you know and i'm not trying to say like vanderbilt or harold uh you know are going to be you know, the next Akiva Goldsman when it comes to this, we're like, we're looking at some of the stuff that, you know, Akiva Gold, Goldsman's done in the past. We're, we're not the biggest fans. And then he comes out with like, you know, two hits in my opinion. Um, but who knows? I mean, uh, these guys on, on, on these projects, let's talk about what these are. Deadline came out with the rumor about what these projects are going to be. The Vanderbilt project. This is what they say, from what I heard, is based on Transformers spin-off Beast Wars, which are robots that transform into robotic animals like Cheetor, Optimus Primal, Rhinox, and more. Vanderbilt has been on the project since April. There's news today that one project is based in the Bumblebee universe. So that was pr- that's probably going to be uh, Joby Harold's. But uh, it's still early. No directors are attached. Though both will feature new casts. So it's not going to be, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a Bumblebee spinoff, but it could be. I mean, it could be. Uh, they just might not get Haley Steinfeld involved in this one. Um, so yeah, maybe it'll be like a 90s yeah, flick. Yeah, yeah. And he could encounter like somebody else in the 90s. You know, kind of like when uh, Shia LaBeouf dropped off and then they got Mark Wahlberg in there, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. And you don't necessarily need her to continue the universe. At the end of the day, the story is the, the robots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I'm telling you, um, it's set in uh, the, the project based in the Bumblebee universe. So at that, so what they're saying, 
the project based in the Bumblebee universe is they're saying, in my opinion, like that this is not like this is not Bayformers at all. Like they're this is a complete reboot, and Bumblebee was a reboot. Mm-hmm. They basically kind of confirmed that Bumblebee's a reboot. Yeah, because there aren't any sequels to the Bayformer stuff in the works, is there? Not that we know of. No. The thing is, like, going into Bumblebee, the reason that I kind of thought maybe it's still attached to the Bayformer stuff was the fact that Bumblebee looked the same. Uh-huh. And, like, but on the flip side, it's like you had Optimus who looked, like, straight up, like, Optimus from G1. You had all The good the, version, yeah. Yeah. You had all the other characters looking, like, straight up G1 fucking Transformers. But Bumblebee looked the same. He looked like the Bayformers Bumblebee. Um, so it's really, but at the end of that movie, that's where they kind of like sent out like that, that, uh, he, he sent out that message to get all the other Autobots there on Earth and shit. Mm-hmm. But, and if that was. Andy switched into the Camaro, right? Yeah, yeah. But see, the thing is though, like the first time that they sent out that transmission was in the original Transformers movie. And if the, and this was set in the 80s. So I think it, I think it totally wipes out the Bayformer stuff. I think with that. Thank God. I think, yeah, I think that we're starting, we're starting with a fresh slate here. <clears throat> and even though they had that old writer's room that they got rid of, cause like Robert Kirkman, we talked about him earlier, was part of that original writer's room for Transformers. And he, he was the huh. first one to drop off. And they got new writers in here. Like the, these are new names, Vanderbilt and, uh, Harold, uh, Joby Harold. So I'm, Personally, like, I didn't grow up watching Beast Wars. Like, I stopped watching after G1. And I, mm-hmm. you know, and, but I know, like, Daniel Hepner, me and him, you know, we, we, we've podcasted about Transformers before. He, he, like, that's, I think, like, that was one of his introductions into Transformers was watching Beast Wars. And even though the animation, if you look at it today, by today's standards, was like early CGI, it's not great. I hear those stories are really good. And I got introduced to Optimus Primal when we were watching like Titans Return and all that shit that came out on the, uh, what was it? The, uh, the Go 90 app. And, uh, I really enjoyed watching Optimus Primal. So I, I think the Beast Wars shit could be very fucking cool if done right. Yeah. I, I remember watching some of the Beast Wars stuff when I was a kid and I, I remember really liking it. Um, it wasn't, because I was such a big fan of the of the G one stuff, it w- because it wasn't the same, I didn't quite like it as much. But I can see how people who were introduced to that first might consider it better. Are these going to tie into one another somehow? Are they going to like? Uh, they're doing these two separate things. Are they are they just going to keep these separate, or are they going to are they going to try to do what a what, what a Kevin Feige has done here? And try to have these worlds kind of collide. They're still going to do like this Bumblebee universe movie where who knows what's going to happen in that one. Like I think we'll be introduced, reintroduced to like other Autobots that have survived, you know, like the events of like what happened in that movie now coming to Earth. And are they going to try to combine these two, the Beast Wars and I think that they would be better off not doing that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is that going to confuse audiences in the long run? Because everybody's used to fucking expanded universes or are they going to go the smart route, in my opinion, and just keep this shit separate? I think to start with, they'll go the smart route and keep it separate. But if these things are giant successes, then 
I think greed will get in the way, and then at that point they will try to they've pulled, combine everything into one. But they've pulled back so much. This was all supposed to lead up to um, back in the day when they first started that writers' room that they disassembled. It was all supposed to lead up to a Hasbro universe. It was going to be Transformers, GI Joe. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other projects that I, were involved. That mask, possibly. Uh, what was the other? I know that there's. I want to say like the elementals or what, what, I can't remember. Illusion uh, uh, is I forget what that it's called too. Yeah, yeah. There was like another uh, Rom. Rom was one. Yeah, you're Rom right. was one. And so they they've scrapped that. That's not happening. Like I think GI Joe's its own separate thing now. They're doing the Snake Eyes movie and then they'll go forward from there. But I think they've scrapped that Hasbro universe. So I don't know. I really don't. I think we're in such early development now that we really don't know what they're going to do like going forward i could see them doing kind of what dc has started to do whereas the properties are all their own thing but they're loosely connected and they could be combined later on yeah uh you know like (laughs) like the combiner wars um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they, they probably want to kind of test the waters maybe with having two different versions of the franchise going at the same time. I think you got to make, I think you've got to do at least a few movies before you even, even sniff that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, I've got to get attached to Optimus Primal. I've got to get attached to some of these characters first, because if it comes down to it, when I'm watching like, you know, the third, fourth movie, fifth movie in this reboot, and I'm watching this Bumblebee Universe movie. I'm watching a Transformers movie. And then all of a sudden, like, Optimus Primal shows up. If I, if they've done it, if they've done it right, that should be a huge fucking moment. Mm-hmm. Right? That should be a huge fucking moment for him to show up in that movie. We'll see. Yeah, what- I agree. I agree. It seems like the overwhelming response to this that I've seen on like the social medias is pretty positive, though. I, I didn't realize how much warm-hearted feelings people had for beast wars yeah oh yeah beast wars i think like for the people that grew up watching beast wars they fucking love that and uh you know i know daniel hepner i don't know what his thoughts are on all this stuff i haven't talked to him about it i'll probably talk to him i'll pull him aside at c2e2 and i'll ask him what he, but i i'm sure if i had to guess i i think he's probably excited as far as like just the the property of Beast Wars, like I don't know if he's excited for fucking like you know the guy behind it, the guy you know that fucking worked on uh, Murder Mystery for Netflix doing it, <laughs> or the Andrew Garfield stuff. But who knows? Like I, I hate to fucking like pigeonhole these writers that they can only that they're only putting out this kind of crap. Because like I did that right. with Akiva Goldsman, and then he gives me gold. Yeah, Goldsman, Goldsman gives me gold <laughs> with fucking Picard and Titans. So we'll yeah. see. It's still very early. We have no directors attached. I mean, I hope that Travis Knight comes back for one of these fucking movies. I loved what he did, reinjecting new life into that Bumblebee movie, giving me Cybertron scenes that I had been uh-huh. dying to see in live action since I was a child. Right? I mean, Neil. I mean, yeah. fucking yeah. gorgeous. <laughs> I fucking loved Bumblebee. So did I. I drove two hours away to watch it, like, what was it, like two, three weeks early. 
<laughs> I, 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 I could not. And, and like, and the movie starts with that shit and I'm fucking blown away. I'm seeing Cybertron the way I've always wanted to see it in live action. I've, I'm seeing these characters that I grew up with the way that I've always wanted to see them, not this Bayformer shit. And, yeah. and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'm not gonna fucking knock um, Michael Bay for what he did for Transformers. He turned it into a huge fucking thing. He got he got people watching Transformers that never would have watched Transformers or cared about the properties before. And he brought Peter Cullen in there to do the voice. And so he, he I, you know, people can say I'm not going to sit here and say that fucking uh, Michael Bay ruined my childhood. It's one of those things I think like back in 2007 we needed something new from Transformers. We got a director on it. I compare it to like Brian Singer doing the X-Men. All right. It's uh-huh. what we mm-hmm. needed at the time to keep Transformers alive. And he kept it alive enough. He gave it a lifeline long enough for them to fucking reboot it with Travis Knight and Bumblebee. And now they've got a fucking writer's room because they know it's a fucking property people care about now. It's not just a fucking toy anymore. It's not just a cartoon with a toy anymore i i I, i'm not gonna sit here and knock michael bay he did a lot for the transformers but it was it the transformers that i always wanted to see that i always wanted to see since i was a child no but he kept them fucking relevant i'll say that much yeah he certainly did that uh i mean i didn't i only saw the first one of his movies and i didn't like it so i haven't seen any other any, any of the others but the fact that it's part of our lexicon again is 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 a good thing yeah a lot of people were pissed off about like the the new thundercats cartoon and the way they looked and they looked goofy and silly and shit like that but here's the thing if you don't fucking if you don't reach out to new kids that are that if you don't fucking build up an audience for these fucking uh for thundercats it's gonna go away Mm -hmm. you've got to. i mean any thundercats is good Right, even if it's not the Thundercats that we want, but if it's like if, if a five-year-old or a six-year-old's watching it, it's going to keep the Thundercats alive, you know? Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff it boggles my mind because I mean, the animation in the original Thundercats is just total garbage, terrible. So how you can <laughs> see this new stuff and then rebel against it, like it's not up to the standard of what the original was? Like how fucking? daft you have to be the uh, uh dude the fucking uh the opening credits and stuff like that like when they showed like the th- like that's the best the animation got it was really mm-hmm. oh awesome yeah that's there. the peak of it 100 yeah. yeah and honestly i like the series that came out in 2010 and 2011 i think i i like that a lot better i was a bigger fan of that I, as a kid i love thundercats don't get me wrong god oh, damn yeah. it why did they have to make the figures like fucking ten feet tall though? They were so expensive. <laughs> it pissed me off. You you just could not incorporate them with He Man. They should have made them like fucking um, GI Joe's size or something, or six inch. Like the uh, the small GI Joes or the or the big ones. The three, uh, uh, th- like not three inch, but may- make them six inch. Make them six inch. Like uh, I guess these were like fucking like nine ten inch figures. They were huge. Yeah, they were gargantuan. I used to play with them with my WWE figures that were giant like that. Yeah. <laughs> they were about the same size. And like then trying Andre to, and like Panthro were like the same height. Yeah. And then trying to talk your parents into buying a vehicle for them. Fuck that. <laughs> Christ. Are you kidding me? You might you need a spot in the garage for it. Mm-hmm. No shit. <laughs> Every vehicle is like the GI Joe aircraft carrier for Christ's sakes at that point. 
Jake, check this shit out. I got news from Dark Horizons. The long in development. It ain't going away. The long in development reboot for the Crow franchise. <laughs> I saw this. I saw this. I knew we'd be talking about this. You fucking bet your ass, dude. I've been saying this. I have been fucking, I have been, uh, just fucking, uh, talking about this for, uh, almost seven years now since we've been doing this podcast. This yeah, what Crow. came first? PCL or Crow reboot news? <laughs> Crow reboot news, dude. Yeah. Numerous attempts at a new take on the James O'Barr comic, uh, came and went through out much of the last decade with the likes of Bradley Cooper, Jack Houston, Luke Evans. Dude, when we first started doing the podcast, it was Luke Evans on the project. Oh, right? yeah, I was not a fan of that. And then most recently, Jason Momoa attached in the title role. Momoa and Helmer Corden Hardy uh, came the closest to making it, but Sony shut down the project two years ago just ahead of production. Things have all been have been all quiet ever since until today as bloody disgusting reports that the project is back in development and is being retooled davis films i remember jake you remember that name davis films davis films highland film group and electric shadow who had previously had a deal in place to finance and distribute are still involved but momoa hardy and likely sony pictures are all out the film is planned to be a more direct adaptation of the 1989 comic. Somebody's shifting around. There, it stopped. It stopped. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's now it's shifting again. The film is planned to be more of a direct adaptation of the 1989 comic uh, than the famed 1994 film starring Brandon Lee, who died during production. Uh, the story centers on musician Eric Draven, who on the night before his wedding is murdered along with his fiancée by members of a violent inner-city gang. On the anniversary of their death, Eric is brought back from the dead and takes up the mantle of supernatural avenger the Crow to track down the thugs responsible for their death. Crow's back, Jag. They're still talking the Crow. Gambit went away. I was wrong. Gambit went away. I did not predict that fucking Disney was going to buy Fox. It happened. Gambit went away. But the Crow lives on. Yeah, Disney. <laughs> Caca! Caca! It lives on. Caca. What's that? Caca. Yeah. <laughs> What comes out first, the uh, the Crow reboot or the Spawn movie? Oh shit, dude! It's it's one of those things. Like, are we in a world now where both come out because R rated fucking comic book shit is hot right now? Thank you, Joker. Thank you. Hopefully, thank you, Birds Deadpool. of Prey. Deadpool. Thank you, Deadpool. Thank you, Logan. Um. Yeah, they paved the way. They've paved the way. And I know Davis Films is not going to let this go. Davis Films, they have the rights to the Crow film, and they have dropped a lot of money into this project so far. They are not going to let this go. I don't know about you, but I feel like a direct adaptation of the 1989 comic is going to make fans of the 1989 comic very excited. But me personally, I want to see them go in a different direction with the crow. Jake, you know that I've been championing the idea of a female crow for years now. And I've even dropped names like Tatiana Maslany. I'll even throw out the name Mackenzie Davis. Would love to see her in the role as the crow. I'm throwing out those names. I think that they should go with a female fucking crow, have her fiance die and 
we've got Tatiana Maslany, Mackenzie Davis, a woman in the role of the crow. I think that that's where we need to go now. No, I'm not trying to do a Paul Fee Ghostbusters thing. I just <laughs> think that this is where it needs to go. I'm not just tr- I'm not trying to please anybody right now. I firmly believe that a female crow is what we need right now. I, I think it I think it would be awesome. What if yeah, we had- are we doing? Oh, sorry, Neil. Oh, oh, yeah, I was going to say, what if we had someone like uh, the actress who played Shuri in Black Panther? Oh, fuck it. I'll, I'll take Lapita Nyong'o. Yeah. I'll take Lapita Nyong'o as the fucking goddamn fuck yeah. crow. She's amazing. Holy shit. They fucking, they kill, um, oh, what's the guy? What's the, yeah, she's back with the us guy. What's that guy's name? God, he's. Winston Duke. Winston Duke. They kill Winston Duke. They're going to get married. Yeah. They kill Winston Duke and she fucking, oh, my God. Lupita Nyong'o is the goddamn crow. Give oh, give me that goddamn. Give it to me now. Give it, <laughs> give it to me now. I love it. I love that. That would be great. Yeah, I agree with you about. It's just not exciting just doing a reboot of the comic. Not only is that kind of cliche by crow standards, it's yeah. kind of cliche by just story standards in general, right? That's such a been there, done that story. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. They gotta, they gotta switch this up. I don't know. This, it ain't going away though. Here we are nearly seven years later, Jake. We're still talking <laughs> about Crow News, man. It's awesome. It's fucking hilarious. <sighs> yeah. Neil, would you want to see a Crow reboot the way that they've kind of, uh, teased it here? Um, I, I'm not really. Uh, I don't like the straight reboot thing where they just basically do the same exact movie again uh, this is not no this is not the 1994 this is gonna be james o Barr's fucking comic come to life i i'm not familiar with the comic at all so i don't uh, know what differences there are between that and the brandon lee movie um because the, the only version i've seen or it, it imbibed at all is the brandon lee crow yeah uh, um so well, what are the differences Honestly, I've, I couldn't tell you to be, I, I, I had a roommate at the time. I, I probably could have told you a lot more a long time ago. I had a roommate that was obsessed <laughs> with the crow, had, has like a full like crow, like that, that, that logo of the crow that was on the album, like tattooed mm-hmm. on his fucking back, has like original James O'Barr art on his fucking For wall, sure. loves the crow and would tell me about the comic and all this stuff and, I know it does have its differences and I know we've had, I've had a guest, we've had a guest on the show before. Um, he didn't talk about the crow, but Eric Grubb loves the fucking crow and like he read the comics and all that stuff. I couldn't tell you like all the differences between them, but, um, I don't think that any of the movies that try to give you like the faithful adaptation go over that much better. And I don't think it'll mm-hmm. be anything that'll be, that'll overtake the Brandon Lee film, to be quite honest with you at the end of the day. Like, I think that like, like that's the definitive crow movie, uh, at the end Plus of the day. The, all the tragedy that surrounded that kind of it, it, it imprinted itself in the national psyche of, of entertainment. We can say that. We can say that. And like, we'll have stuff like that where it's like, you know, we'll get a movie like, you know, Brandon Lee's The Crow and it comes out and it's just amazing. Everybody loved it. The guy died during the production of the film and we'll have, you know, fucking Heath Ledger as the Joker and like, but on the flip side, then we'll get like Raul Julia in Street Fighter, you know? I, so I mean, it's like, even though he died, like, <laughs> Right. Like, even though he died shortly after that, like, we can't sit here and praise that movie or 
the performance of anyone in that movie. It's it's very forgettable. It's only like rem- memorable because of like it came out in the '90s and it was just a a shit movie. Um, I don't know. I and he had Van Damme playing American hero Guile. Yeah, we had Van Damme playing Guile. Are you kidding me? Get the fuck out of here. That should have been Dolph Lundgren no, all man. fucking day. Even though you know, even though he's Swedish, I don't give a shit. He could talk American. <laughs> Christ. He looks so dumb with that haircut. Yeah. Oh, man. I used to love Guile. I used to play Guile all the time. I used to do that scissor kick. You know what I mean? Like where he'd like. Oh, yeah. You hold down for a second or two. Yeah. And and then you pop up up, and then you scissor kick that motherfucker. I used to love that. And I was I was all about Guile and Chun-Li. We always called it rainbow kick when we were kids. I remember it went both ways, though. Yeah, I don't know. I called it Sonic Boom. Sonic Boom. Sonic Boom. Yeah, I like Blanca a lot. Yeah, Blanca oh, was yeah. fun. The electricity. That, Blanca yeah. was the cheapest character. I fucking hated Blanca. <laughs> Motherfuckers. I wasn't very but just fucking corner you against the wall and just shock you to death. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm terrible at video games, so like that was the only way I was able to win anybody, beat anybody. <laughs> Jesus, Neil. <laughs> learn some combos. I'm a button masher. <laughs> learn some, learn some combos. Damn it! Get some grace. Fuck. Uh, let's see. Oh, real quick. Did you see that Disney Plus has not yet greenlit the Willow series? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Get on it, right? Mm-hmm. I want to yeah, definitely. You need more original programming just yeah. in general. So what the fuck? Yeah. Give Warwick Davis a goddamn job, and I want to see some more fantasy, man. I fucking you know we got. <laughs> We got The Witcher. I mean, look at The Witcher. It's it's so popular yeah. for Netflix. Like they should look at this shit. They should look at this shit. And they've got oh, they've got an established property in Willow. And we can give Val Kilmer some more work too. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Mad Mardigan. Yeah. Yeah, I think Willow would be quite the hit. What do you think about this news? Uh, I got this from Dark Horizons. Uh, in one of the most un- unexpected but intriguing pairing ideas as of late, it has been revealed that Uncut Gems and Good Time directors the Safdie brothers are potentially considering directing a dark Pee Wee Herman film, reports huh. Oh, yeah, this news is – I read this article. The, the outline of what the story would be is just bizarre. In the story, Pee Wee emerges from prison to become an unlikely yodeling star. <laughs> And then moves to Hollywood and becomes a movie star. He then develops a severe pill and alcohol addiction that turns him into a monster. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, Paul Rubin seems pretty excited about this idea and, and this plot. So that leads me to wanting to see this. But just on paper, it sounds kind of awful. Judd Apatow, he asked Judd Apatow to do it. Judd Apatow said no, and he, but he greenlit the uh, Pee-wee's Big Holiday, which was another Netflix film. Uh, Pee-wee wants to make the film for $15 million. Apparently, there's a fan of Pee-wee that has said that, like, I'm going to give you $10 million to make this movie. They've promised $10 million to make this movie. Ruben tells, uh, Rubens tells the trade he feels like it's going to probably happen, and he has a couple of people interested in the project. The Safdie brothers are listening, but they haven't committed to this. Um, did you see Uncut Gems, Neil? Not yet, no. Okay. Gotta watch that one. I know you've seen Good Time. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I... I know it's not like what we're used to from Pee Wee, um, but he sounds very passionate about this. And so if he's passionate about this, I will, I would watch it. I would definitely watch it. I don't know if it's something that I would like to see from, <laughs> from Paul Rubens or, or the character of Pee Wee Herman, but like 
this is bizarre. I, I, I would at least watch it and give it a chance. Yeah, right? It's like a train wreck, the plot. Like, how could you look away from this? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, even the original Pee-wee's uh, movie, w- w- that was that's kind of a train wreck when you think about it on paper. I mean, I don't so, think it's this level. I mean, the you could sum up the plot as he gets his bike stolen and goes on a road trip to retrieve it. I mean, that's not yeah. – he becomes a pill and alcohol addict. <laughs> Escape out of jail. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I see what you're, go, you're going for, but um, I, I mean, I it's, it's, think it's night and day. It's a bonkers premise to begin with. So I, I'm all for them exploring every aspect of this this ridiculous character. A yodeling star. <laughs> I wonder if the drugs are like just to make sure his voice like can keep up with the yodeling. I, you know, he's he's a. Uh, I you know you see you do see this though a lot. I mean, with uh, with actors and with with people that are involved in showbiz, like you know, becoming dependent upon pills. And I mean, look at Michael Jackson for crying out loud, you know. Mm-hmm. Or uh, RDJ, or uh, any number of actors who went off the deep end. Yeah, fucking um, Heath Ledger himself was taking a bunch of pills. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I'll be down to watch this. I don't. Yeah, it could be a shitstorm at the end of the day, but god damn it, it's an experiment. <laughs> it's an experiment I want to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope this, I hope he's right, and this does get made. I as odd and potentially bad as it sounds i agree i would have to see this let's move on into marvel news guys got some marvel news Marvel news. All right, got it. I'm going to start off the show here with Marvel news. Uh, this part of the show with an exclusive rumor. Um, and now take this with a grain of salt. We we've not had many scoops on this show, but we did get one years ago that turned out to be true. And it was our our source. Our source didn't want us to report it, and I was super bummed. And then a few months later, the rest of the world found out that Spider-Man was joining the MCU. So, Jake, do you remember when I sent you that message and I sent you the, I showed you like the, the, the correspondence that I had and about that? Are we talking about the new news or the Spider-Man? The, the, the Spider-Man. Oh, I, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had typed up an article and everything for the site and it's still in the drafts that I have for <laughs> our website. Like I never published it. It's still, there as a draft and this was like months before the spider-man news broke but we had a source tell us it looks like it's happening and and gave us you know information about like you know who he found it out from and all this stuff and i was just kind of kind of blown away like oh my god and i you know and i asked him is there any way i could report this and he did not feel comfortable doing that and so you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go against our listener and 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 report something but no, we're not fucking TMZ. Yeah. yeah. No <laughs> shit. Anyway, we got this rumor from a listener close to the show, and I won't drop any names and I won't reveal the source, but the email said, uh, just listening to 316, I don't know if this has any weight, but a guy I've gotten to know, and I won't reveal in what department he works for, but uh, a guy I've gotten to know works for the MCU movies and TV, and 
he or she uh, hears the name Eternity a lot. This person jumps from project to project and is currently working on, and I'm not even going to mention the series. I'll leave that out completely. And says that on almost every property, he or she hears someone bring up Eternity. So uh, Eternity is a character in the Marvel Universe. So I just take this with a grain of salt, guys. I don't know. It's just a name that's being brought up. We're going to get into Eternity here in just a moment. But let's pretend that this is true. Let's pretend this is true. First question is, who is Eternity? And, and while I answer this for the listeners, think about, I, I want you guys to think about where Eternity might fit in the upcoming slate of TV and film for Marvel. But uh, Eternity was created by scripter editor Stan Lee and artist Steve Ditko. The character is first mentioned in Strange Tales number 134, and first appears in Strange Tales 138. Eternity was created as the second sentient force supporting creation. Before Eternity, there was a single universe whose animating force was the primal cosmic being that would later call itself the first firmament. The first firmament was attacked by its creations, the Celestials, during the catastrophic cosmic war that erupted between them and their counterpart creations, the Aspirants. The climax of that war resulted in the Celestials' weapons tearing the first universe apart. The core essence of the first firmament and the surviving aspirants desperately fled to the void outside creation. The torn fragments of the sundered first universe then coalesced into a new being that animated a new reality that was made up of hundreds of universes. This second creation was the birth of the multiverse, and its animating force would later be called by the living entities within it eternity. Creation would then evolve, die, and be reborn six more times, each time evolving and changing to add new realities, forces, and properties to itself, and all these changes would be reflected in the corresponding rebirth of eternity. Therefore, after the destruction of and rebirth of the multiverse by the Beyonders, eternity is in it. In its, in its eighth incarnation. Now, the first recorded human contact with Eternity is by Doctor Strange, who seeks the entity out when his master, the Ancient One, is attacked by former pupil Baron Mordo. After a series of battles with Mordo and his minions and discovering that Archfoe Dormammu is secretly backing Mordo, Strange finds and speaks with Eternity. The entity advises Strange that he is capable of defeating his foes without aid, and Strange wins a duel with Dormammu, who is ultimately defeated by Eternity, and thwarts an attempted sabotage in his Sanctum Sanctorum. Um, A little bit more about Eternity here is... With his uh, up up there with his siblings, Oblivion, Infinity, and Death, Eternity is a supreme being who outshines the rest of his family. With a name like Eternity, you might have guessed he's been around since before time even existed. Taking on the tough job of leading the cosmic powers of the Marvel Universe, Eternity is near omnipotent entity who means business. Guys, we're looking for if we're looking for a uh, somebody that's going to be a Thanos level type villain to maybe come into the Marvel Cinematic Universe post Thanos. I don't know. This might be our guy. 
Um, while some might agree death is more powerful, let's also remember that eternity easily defeated her, representing the universe itself. Eternity controls all time and reality, effectively being two of Thanos' infinity stones at once. So, guys, with Thanos and the Avengers messing around with the infinity stones, Eternity might insert himself into the next Doctor Strange film pretty easily. Mm-hmm. That's so, definitely the easy answer. That is yeah. the easy answer, but I think there's more to this, and I think that he could also show up in other films. Like I said, let's take this rumor with a grain of salt, but let's also treat it as if maybe this is something Marvel is kicking around since apparently this is a name that has been coming up in different departments at Marvel. I believe that much. So that would be my first guess if this is true. If this rumor is true, especially with the comic book origin of him coming in contact with uh, Stephen Strange, that's the easiest thing to come up with. Is like I don't know if he'll be a big part of that movie, but he could be like a post credit scene, something like mm-hmm. that. But like, yeah, Eternity. Yeah, like and laying maybe, the groundwork. Sorry, go ahead, Jake. I was going to say, maybe even part of me thinks that he may actually potentially be an ally to the heroes, too. Like, not necessarily a good guy, but it just seems like such a hard story to tell if you make him the main baddie. Like, maybe Strange is going to need his help to fix the multiverse or or something is going on. Like, yeah. it just seems they could, a little bit out there that they he could, would be the main bad guy. They could introduce him and us thinking, like, this guy... Because if you look at him, he looks bizarre. He looks menacing. And I can only imagine... Google Eternity. Uh, just Google Eternity Marvel and look at this guy. Like, I can only imagine what it would look like live action on screen with CGI. It would just look insane. But, oh yeah, agreed. I think 3D would really look cool on this character too. I th- oh oh God, holy shit <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing: like they could introduce him, and it could feel menacing because of who he is. And then like we find out that like he's actually there. Um, you know, kind of like you know, like the Watchers. Like you know, they're always yeah, very much a yeah person. Yeah. So like okay, so like. But then we find out that he's actually there to help them. But there's other Celestials that maybe they they, they might need to contend with. Um, but here's the thing. It's like they've been messing around with with using these stones. Thanos used a stone. Banner used a stone. Fucking uh, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, Tony Stark used the stones. They've been fucking around with these stones, this power that they should not be able to possess. And here we have a celestial, this omnipotent fucking celestial, near omnipotent entity, this eternity, who possesses the power of two stones at once. He possesses the power of time and reality. Maybe he's just there to set things straight. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And if if he's not the nemesis, boy, you could really make a huge nemesis by having someone end up killing Eternity after the mm. fact that you find out he's there, yeah. you know, to kind of help keep things correct and yeah. keep realities right. right. Like, what if you find out all of a sudden Eternity has been murdered by an unknown person? What if fucking Eternity is murdered by an Avenger? What if Scarlet Witch goes mad and fucking takes out Eternity, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that could really cool concepts can just come from that. Like the bleeding of realities that could potentially happen without like a gatekeeper there. Neil, I know you've got some thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
I think another avenue where he could be not necessarily not necessarily introduced, but explored a little bit would be the Guardians of the Galaxy yes. Volume Three. Yes, yes, I was because um, we've already met a Celestial in yes. that, and we could exp- they've, so they've opened up that world to the audiences uh, in that format. So maybe that could be a B plot of the third. Guardians. It film? could be, even be like a post credit scene too, Neil. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is like definitely a possibility for them to introduce this character. One hundred percent. Even Eternals. That's like a, an easy place that's to it. insert this character. Let's. I'm gonna. Yeah. Read, I'm gonna read the Eternal synopsis. You're reading my mind, guys. It's crazy. Um, the eternal synopsis after un- uh, after an unexpected tragedy following the events of Avengers Endgame, the Eternals, an immortal alien race created by the Celestials, who, who have secretly lived on Earth for over seven thousand years, reunite to pre- protect humanity from their evil counterparts, the Deviants. What usually happens when we're looking at something? Uh, in the Marvel Universe that's kind of like on a lower scale. Like, uh, you know, I'm not saying that the Eternals, like when we watch it, it's going to be this big grand movie, but like they were created by the Celestials. Do you think that like we're just being introduced to the Eternals not to be introduced to their creators, the Celestials, who have already been teased in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie? It's leading up to that. They're going to get to bigger things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think that it's going to bust wide open and we are going to have the uh, the Avengers be introduced to the Celestials here. It's I, I think especially with them tampering with the stones, Thanos tampering with the stones, the Avengers tampering with the stones. I, I think that we're going to we're going to be introduced to some fucking huge cosmic forces. Yeah, agreed. Zero fucking chance that we're not dealing with some celestial stuff in the Eternals. Yeah. 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 So I, 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 I just wanted to bring this up. I don't know. Like if this if any of this is going to happen. But I felt like once I got I got the email from a trusted listener, um, and I I really wanted to kind of just I asked his permission if it would be okay to report this, and he said it was fine. And so um, I just who knows what's going to happen with this in the future. We'll kind of like keep our ears to the ground, and who knows for all for, at the end of the day, Jake, this could just be like one of those what if episodes, and they could introduce eternity into what if for all we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. It seems like a character that's that's very, maybe not known is the wrong word, but definitely been around and always part of these big cosmic storylines. Like yeah. he was part of Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity yeah. War. Yeah, he always been a mainstay in the big strange storylines. So it seems very plausible to me that this is a pool that they would dip their toes into I, when it came to introducing new characters. One hundred percent agree. And it's a it's a character that. Uh, doesn't need to have appeared in anything for it to already exist. Yeah. Like it's because it's so much bigger than anything that our heroes have discovered so far. It's always, it could always have been lurking and nobody knew about it. So Mm -hmm. they can, there's no retconning retconning involved or trying to explain away discrepancies because they could just, it's well, it didn't get involved before now. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens with this, man. I, uh, I'm very interested. I, 
I, I, and it, this might not even be like a phase four thing. Like this could definitely be phase five. I mean, this could mm-hmm. be even further down the line. Yeah. I feel like we're right though, that if this is a thing that's going to happen, I think the seeds are going to start being planted very soon. I would, man, I would want to put money on fucking the Eternals or fucking Dr. Strange into the multiverse of madness. It, I, I just, it's not I, both. yeah. And, and Neil, you're not off base by saying Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I was thinking like that's the dark horse here to, to, to mm-hmm. introduce this character. Or it could be kind of what they did with Thanos and they have it in, multiple movies just little bits and pieces right yeah yeah oh man or we just hear like this ominous voice i i want them to like i want them to if for the voice of a character like this that's been around since like you know almost the beginning this near omnipotent character i want michael dorn mm. I lo- that'd be good i love his voice you know, fucking Worf, yeah. Worf from uh, Star Trek. I, I think he would be fantastic. So that yeah, fucking, surely he could use the work. Oh yeah, I mean he <laughs> he did like he did one of those Go ninety Transformers cartoons. He would definitely jump on this work because I was thinking at first I was like, oh Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, he's already Giant Man. He's Goliath. I'm sorry, uh, Goliath. So mm-hmm. I did the same thing. My first initial thought was Idris Elba, and I was like, oh yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah, he's Heimdall. Uh, huge Marvel news this week. Variety reports Loki Disney Plus series cast Owen Wilson. So was, this was originally, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. The, yeah, wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah, whoa is, uh, Joey Lawrence. Um, but this was originally reported by comicbook.com, I think. Was it comicbook.com? I thought that was correct. I think it was comicbook.com that first re- – yeah, they, they first reported the news of his casting and they said it was going to be a major role and then it was confirmed by Variety. The exact details of Will, uh, Wilson's role are being kept under wraps. Tom Hiddleston will star in the series reprising his role. What is it? What's going on? What's going on there? What's that noise? What's going on? Somebody walking down – somebody walking in a labyrinth and they – what is going on? Who's somebody doing it's, dishes? It is not me. <laughs> Sorry. That's me. Uh, hang on. And we'll just hey, we're just doing a show. Just like, oh shit, yeah, my I'm chemistry experiment's due in fifteen minutes. <laughs> You're fine, man. I'm, uh, I'm gonna mute for a second. <laughs> God, I really want to know what's going on. <laughs> the exact details of Wilson's role are being kept under wraps. Tom Hiddleston will star in the series, reprising his role from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Variety exclusively reported in November that Sophia Di Martino is also attached to star. There's no official logline for Loki at the time of this publishing, but the show will reportedly feature the master of magic popping up at different times in human history and influencing major events. He was last seen uh, with uh, one of the Infinity Stones during Avengers Endgame. Uh, Michael Waldron serves as uh, writer and executive producer on the show with Kate Heron attached to direct all the episodes and executive produced. So any ideas as to who Owen Wilson might be playing in the Loki Disney Plus series? Yeah, I've racked my brain trying to figure this out. I, the, they say it's going to be a major Marvel character, which is where I really – it's like, who the hell would he fucking be? Who? The, okay, I read that it was going to be a major role. I didn't read that it was going to be a major Marvel character. Okay, okay. I think I've seen Bo. That could be just clickbait headline shit I'm seeing too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just don't know. I mean, 
I guess there's a big difference between major Marvel character and major role, but you do have to assume he's going to be playing a known character. I I'm hoping that he's going to be like a kind of like a uh, time cop that's sent to police, you know, <laughs> what Loki's doing, going, you know, try, chasing him through time, trying to find him and capture him. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I, I haven't been able to pin down anybody I would have cast him in in the Marvel Universe. So maybe he's going to be a brand new character that's specifically for the show. That's what I would. That's what I would think is he's going to be like a new character, or or they'll have like an existing obscure character that we haven't seen or like we don't know about, and then they'll just kind of like uh, change him up for this role. I don't know. They, Look, they, you will finally get his Raven, and Owen Wilson will be the voice of said Raven. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just think like. Um, they're not a I don't, Marvel's not opposed to like creating new characters for these movies. That's how we got Coulson. So yeah, yeah, and then they you know later re- reintroduced him into. I mean, Marvel's done that their entire history. I sure, mean, Fire, Firestar came from yeah Spider-Man Jubilee, Amazing Friends. Yeah, Jubilee is another perfect example. Yeah, I mean, even DC did it with Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, started off in the animated series and then now in the comics. So yeah. Very true. We will find out. But Owen Wilson, what do you? Th- are you excited? Are you happy? Owen Wilson's uh, teaming up here with uh, with Marvel. Yeah, I think it's cool. I, I'm I'm by no means an Owen Wilson hater, but he's also not someone that just his name alone draws me to a project. Um, I think it could be quite good. I think when he's on, he's really on, and I think Loki is a series that will have a touch of humor to it, and he could add nicely to that. Yeah. Neil, yeah, excited. Yeah, um, I know Owen, Owen Wilson has gone through some stuff recently, so it's it's definitely exciting to see him getting back into doing projects again. Um, and and I think he would be a good addition to play off of Tom Hiddleston because they're just so different uh, as actors, and it could be a really fun dynamic to have them bantering or, or whatever the hell they end up doing yeah i'm definitely excited to, to have him in i think it's a great gut i really do i think it's a great gut and for owen wilson to be a part of the mcu i think it's very cool i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing what he does and what he brings to it i'm just ready for more disney plus original shit to be honest with <laughs> i know fucking who isn't get on it I'm still, Jesus. and the fucked up thing is, it's like, I, I you know, I, I'm glad I have DC Universe, but like, I've only got three more episodes of Harley Quinn, and like, what the fuck am I gonna watch on DC Universe after that? Not Swamp Thing. pretty much dead, right? Yeah, it's fucked up, man. It's like, we know we're getting Titan Season 3, but is that really coming to the DC Universe, or are they gonna bring that over to HBO Max? Like, what's going on here? Like, I don't know, man. They fucking sent out, like, I think they sent out like a, an email thanking all their subscribers. I don't know. It's fucked up, man. better fucking thank you. It's crazy. (laughs) I feel like Shudder, Shudder, like AMC, who fucking has the Shudder app, I feel like Shudder is, like, giving us more originals weekly as far as series and movies than fucking DC Universe. It's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is crazy. I... And just the whole, ever since the Swamp Thing got canceled before the second episode aired, the whole thing has had just a rotten smell in the air to me. Yeah. I canceled my subscription after that. 
Yeah, <sighs> I can't say that I blame you. Dude, I'm I'm still loving the Harley Quinn animated series. Like that's like like if I'm not watching it on Friday, it's it I don't go more than I it will not not be watched by Sunday. I love it. It is so good. But it's going 13 episodes and like we've got 3 left. After that, it's like what do you have planned for me DC Universe? What do you have? <laughs> what do you have? You got to show me something. So I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's fucking upsetting. Paul Bettany was talking about, um, the Scarlet Witch WandaVision series. And I got this, this is from Dark Horizons. They say, from what we've glimpsed so far, it appears Scarlet Witch's reality altering powers will put her in a resurrected vision in a classic sitcom style reality where they can get their happily ever after. I don't know if he's been resurrected. I think that they, they're saying that prematurely, but we'll find out when we watch the show. But anyway, Bettany, Paul Bettany, who plays Vision, says, speaking about the show recently via Twitter, Bettany says, it's fucking bonkers. It's so out there and nuts. The choices they are making, fans will not have to wait that much longer well they've moved it up a little bit but also they'll get much more of an insight very very soon uh goes on to say speculation is high that the show's teaser could drop during the super bowl meanwhile set photos via comic book movies from the show have confirmed that sword the space-based counterpart of shield will make an appearance in the series the series is currently filming in atlanta Okay, Sword is going to make an appearance in this. I'm, I keep wondering, what's fucked up about this is that Kat Dennings is in this show? Yes. Why? Like, like, is she part of, <laughs> is she, I love Kat Dennings, don't get me wrong, I think she's fucking great. I used to watch Two Broke Girls and I love her, I think she's fucking hilarious. Is she a part of Sword? Like, what is going on? I, I'm trying to figure out, is she a part of Sword now? I would only think that she would be a, she was an assistant to, uh, to Dr. Selvig, right? Mm-hmm. So is she working for Sword? Well, now? she was Natalie Portman's assistant. She was Did Natalie. She have that kind of schooling? She, I guess so. Huh? I don't know. She, she was Natalie Portman's assistant. Okay. She was an intern in the first Thor, and she wasn't a scientist. Okay. She was just getting college credits. Yeah. I and I don't remember Dark World, so I don't know what happened in that one. What the? F- yeah. Yeah, I don't Blocked know. it out too. It's just weird that she's going to be in this series. Yeah, but Sword's going to be in it. Sword's gonna, why is Sword in this? Are we going to space? Yeah, in WandaVision <laughs> of all places. That, yeah. That's bizarre. I kind of thought the whole thing wouldn't even take place in a reality where Sword would be a thing. Yeah. <clears throat> we got introduced. We got, we got, we got introduced to Sword like at the end of Captain Marvel, right? Was it end of Captain Marvel with fucking Nick Fury on the yeah, ship yeah. out there? Yeah. Black Widow movie speculation. I got this from CheatSheet.com. Listen to this shit. Ahead, this is interesting. Ahead of Black Widow's May release, Marvel has released an exclusive comic book tie-in called Black Widow Pre, uh, Black Widow Prelude. The comic details the period of time just after the events of Captain America's Civil War when Romanoff went into hiding, running from the authorities. At one point in the comic... Romanoff comes into contact with a character named General Thunderbolt Ross, who reveals who reveals to readers a very interesting detail that had been referenced in 2012's The Avengers. In speaking about Romanoff's past, Ross references a former associate of hers named General Drykoff. Ross indicates that Romanoff was trained under Drykoff 
and that she became a star star pupil. Interestingly enough, this is not the first time that Marvel fans have heard the name General Drykoff. In the Avengers, supervillain Loki is confronting Romanoff about her past when he taunts her by saying, Can you wipe out that much red? Drykov's daughter, Sao Paulo, the hospital fire, Barton told me everything. Your ledger is dripping. It's gushing red. Holy shit. Shit from the 2012 Avengers fucking movie. Sao Paulo, the hospital fire, Drykov's daughter. This is when Barton, Clint Barton was fucking brainwashed by the Mind Stone that fucking uh, Loki was in control of. And he learned all this information. He's throwing it out there to fucking Natasha. Now this comic book, General Thunderbolt, uh, Thunderbolt Ross is talking about General Drykov and that she was trained under Drykov. The article goes on to say it is very possible that the character will be introduced on film in the upcoming Black Widow movie and that the comic just gives a small hint of things to come. Exact plot points in Black Widow remain unknown, but rumors have been running rampant. Many fans are wondering if they will finally learn the details of Romanoff's induction into the life of an assassin and how she became a dangerous person in the first place. The elusive General Drykoff will likely make an appearance, as will some other top-secret characters. In addition, fans are hoping that Iron Man will somehow make a cameo, considering at this point in the timeline, Tony Stark would still have been alive. I don't know. I, I, I'm... Honestly, I'm 50-50 on this one. I think this General Drykoff could definitely make an appearance in this movie. Do you think, like, I know it's about Taskmaster, but do you think, like, could this set up a Black Widow 2? Because, like, weren't there rumors about this being a trilogy? Yeah, I remember hmm. those rumors. I My brain always goes to, if they make a lot of money, they want to make more money. So they're never going to cut themselves off at the foot when it comes to potentially being able to make a sequel. Yeah. Is it going to be? Is, I, is, you no, know, I, I I agree. But like they're making money hand over fist with all the. I mean, they're making three to four movies a year. You know. Yeah, but what I mean, what other MCU movie came out and then it's a one and done, and there was never any plans to do a second one? Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Yeah, even that is an exception because of its own weird. I know, I know the distribution rights. I get it. So yeah, I I definitely think the potential is there, and I do remember hearing those trilogy rumors. I did too. That was the very early stuff. I don't know if anything from that's been ever confirmed, but you know, I mean, there's other points in her life that are so mysterious that they could definitely kind of. You know, we could get movies on that. Uh-huh. I don't know. I, I just think that it's interesting. I, I think it's interesting. I think that's that's a name that we need to kind of remember. General Drykov. Do you think that would be like um, Rachel Weisz's character? I think Rachel Weisz at the end of the day. Huh. I'm still calling that Rachel Weisz is going to be Taskmaster. Yeah, huh. that smells right. I think that Gen- I think that I've been saying this for months. I think that I think that Rachel Weisz is going to be Taskmaster. At the end of the day. That'd be interesting. I think they're going to do a gender swap. I think that somebody that's supposed to be part of the Black Widow family that she trusts has flipped. Yeah, I, I think you're 
on the money there. I just, a spy espionage movie just has to have those kind of twists. Like there's going to be, oh, here's a person I thought I could trust and now I can't or vice versa moment in this movie some yeah. way, somehow. I don't, uh-huh. I don't think it's going to, and she, I think she's playing Melania. I don't think that she, I don't think it's going to be Florence's, uh, Florence Pugh's character. Well, aren't they setting up Florence Pugh's character to be the next Black Widow? She said no. She denies that. Oh, no. Okay. But who knows? I mean, I, you can't trust the Russos. You can't trust Feige anymore. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of that, too. I don't want to know what's actually going to happen. I, I like being surprised. Yeah. Let's move into uh, let's move into DC news here real quick. Do you want to do that shit, or do you want to take a, break? a quick break real quick? Yeah, we'll break it up. I don't give a fuck. We can do whatever <laughs> we want. Peas. We can do whatever, Jake. We can do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> oh man, the power! God, I got <laughs> Neil. What, what do you want to do, Neil? Huh? Yeah, let's break it up. Fucking hey, dude. Let's do that shit. Fucking do it. Yeah, we're going to break it up. We'll be right back, you little fuck nuggets. <laughs> Hi. I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway... The whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. Hey, welcome back. Yeah. This I call be just as smooth as our last break. Dude, I <laughs> called our listeners fuck nuggets, dude. <laughs> yeah, we've called them worse. Yeah, we have. We have. I called you a bitch earlier. <laughs> I, I didn't realize you actually called me a bitch. I thought that was like <laughs> No, sir. No, sir. That was all hypothetical. <laughs> I just want to say that if you have your Christmas lights still up, what the fuck? Oh, jeez, that's my house, dude. What the fuck, man? Oh, my God. I've complained about it every day. Why don't you do something about it, dude? Oh, Michelle loves the fuck. She brought a brand new tree, and she fucking loves it. She's trying to convince me it's going to stay up until the end of February, and I'm just like, oh, my fucking oh, God. Christ. Jesus. Did you have a second Christmas tree? Not a second Christmas tree. We, we were buying real trees, and this was the first year we bought a really nice artificial tree. Mm. So you have a second one, and that's where do you keep getting the second tree at? Oh, I thought you said you got you just bought a second one. Oh, a new tree. <laughs> okay, I may have said second. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jake Two Trees Elliot. I was like, what is going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> you have a forest happening in your living room? I kind of miss garbled electronic meal. <laughs> 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 so I was, yeah. Why is Neil harassing me about this second tree? No shit, man. Get off his junk about this second tree, bro. That one's bad enough. <laughs> So I, 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 I'm on Reddit. I love fucking Reddit. And I was, uh, on, uh, I, I, I subscribed to a, uh, subreddit called, uh, Obscure Media. And they, somebody posted, dude, Pac-Man was huge back in the fucking 80s, right? Pac-Man was huge. The biggest. I mean, the first thing that had like a million spinoffs that I can think of, right? We used to have Pac-Man parties, man. My parents back in the day, used to have fucking people come over. My parents bought an Atari, and they would have their friends come over, and w- they would play Pac-Man. And, I, man, I fucking, like, we, we'd get pizza, we'd get Pepsi, and we'd fucking eat pizza and drink Pepsi and play Pac-Man. And I, I, I still remember those days fondly. Um, yeah. And, uh, but Pac-Man was fucking huge, man. Pac-Man was huge. Sit around the old fucking CRT TV. Back in the day, like we had this fucking TV, you know, like back when TVs had like the, like the, it was like a piece of furniture. The, the, you know what I mean? With the, we had like that, that, that wood TV. It was like a piece of furniture, you know? And uh, we sit around, we play Pac-Man. But I fucking, on, on obscure media, somebody posted the Pac-Man album. I had, I'd watched the Pac-Man cartoon. Oh, Pac-Man Fever. It was called, I don't know, is that what it's called? But it, it was called That's pa- the single. Well, this was called the Pac-Man album, dude, and it's fucking 20 minutes. Have you ever heard this shit? Hold on, let me play some of this. And there's like narration in it too. Hold on. That's fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> what you, the fuck? <laughs> can you imagine being fucking like Lionel Richie dancing on the ceiling high and listening to this shit? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna get to the part where he talks. So close your eyes, use uh, your imagination, and journey with me to this magic land. So close mm, I don't think I want Pac-Man talking to my kids like that. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh my God, it's a whole—it's 20 minutes of this fucking shit. Yeah, that is not Pac-Man fever. That is bizarre. This is trippy, dude. That should be Eternity's theme music. (laughs) (laughs) He starts... Wow. Oh, I love this part. That sounds like Neil at the beginning of the episode. This is... This is... And imagine you were in a faraway place... I do all the time. One of my favorite places to visit is the magic land of Pac-Man. So close your eyes, use your imagination, and journey with me to this magic land. Oh my god, dude. That is creepy as fuck. It's super creepy. The narrator is the worst part. It's all on YouTube. Yeah. If It's all on new YouTube. It's the Pac-Man album, picture, disc, full album, if you want to look it up on YouTube. Um, and yeah... Like, that's the shit, dude. If, like, when I'm peeking on LSD, that's the shit I want to be listening to. You know what I mean? Yeah, shit. When I'm peeking on LSD, I don't even need to put the album on. <laughs> it sounds like the uh, soundtrack to an ambient dream. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the shit that fucking Roseanne was listening to. <laughs> and she fucking started made her racist. sending out racist <laughs> tweets and shit. <laughs> yeah. Let me take you to the bigot land of Roseanne. Let's build a wall. Like shit, Roseanne. <laughs> Roseanne needs to be fucking like watching that uh, Little America show. You know what I mean? I don't. Know. I you know I like Joe Rogan, but god damn it, he's had her on twice since that bullshit. Mm. You know, it's like I I don't know, man. I get. She's I, getting ready to tour with Andrew Dice Clay, right? Is she? Yeah, I think the two of them are double billing a like comedy tour this summer. Oh, that's wild. That's wild. Sometimes I can uh, separate the uh, artist from the art. You know, you know. There's certain things. Sometimes like, there's. Well, I I can. I mean, I can. Yeah. It, it depends. It depends. I got you know, like if if like somebody is in a movie and they've done some. You know, I don't know, some shady shit. I, I gotta understand, like, if there's, like, another headliner in there with them, and then I gotta, you know, consider yeah. like, all the people that were involved in the movie as well. But it's not like I'm gonna go fuck her. I'm not gonna watch a movie that's directed by a pedophile, you know? I'm right. not, I'm not gonna watch a movie that, they don't fuck, I'm not gonna watch them any Mel Gibson bullshit, you know? So, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm anti Roman Polanski. Yeah. Yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, every once in a while, if somebody's involved, I can sometimes separate the, like, if I'm, if I'm driving down the road and I'm listening to the radio, which sometimes I do, and, and it's not in my car, it's like when I'm working, cause I, I use a work vehicle. If I'm listening to the radio and a Michael Jackson song comes on, I'll listen to it. I won't turn it off immediately. But like, I know that there's people that have like, you know, they, they, you know, they either believe or they don't believe the allegations or whatever, but like, I'll, I'll listen, it, but I'm not like going out of my way sometimes to listen to a Michael Jackson song because of like the climate of like what's going on. Right. I don't know. I'm just weird. Like, yeah, yeah. they still play Michael Jackson music a lot at my job. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. <laughs> So, because there was all those talks about how it was being removed from everything, and I was like, "Well, I've seen no uh, evidence." They removed them. Uh, they removed the Michael Jackson episode from The Simpsons, right? That's what they did. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a fucking shame because it's one of the most touching episodes. Did you see that they like the free solo movie that they put on uh, Disney Plus? They removed some of the language and some of the stuff out of that version but i think you can still watch the original free solo version where that guy's climbing that el capitan mountain you can watch the original version on hulu i think why was it altered i'm i don't understand this story uh i guess i guess there's some things that like i guess there's some language and some things in that movie that aren't disney plus friendly Hmm. okay i don't know but beating baby yoda is okay for disney plus What's a be- oh yeah, punching a baby in the face is fine. Kind <laughs> of fucking baby. He's like fifty years old. <laughs> I punch fifty year olds all the time. But, oh god. Yeah. Pun- you punch fifty year olds all the time? I'm not that often. <laughs> <laughs> Probably three three to five times a year. <laughs> a good ratio. (laughs) 
Yeah, Jake, living your best life, buddy. <laughs> yeah, man, you know, sometimes it just it strikes and you got to do it. You 50-year-old piece of shit. Dude, we're going to be 50 soon. <laughs> oh, that'll make me, I can be even lazier then. I can just fucking sit in my recliner and punch myself. Dude, does 50 scare, <laughs> hey, does 50 scare you? Oh, yeah. Shit, dude, 45 scares me. <laughs> <laughs> fucking 40 scared the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when it stops being scary. It's creeping up on me, and it's definitely got me thinking about my life. A dude, lot. dude, I, dude, I'm there. I'm like in, I'm in that territory. I've, 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 I've ventured into my forties, and it's like, oh god, it, yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Oh man, it's a nightmare. Cause I don't know, like in my thirties, like I could see in my thirties, when I was like, okay, I was like 36 and I started dating somebody that was like 26 and it was fine. Mm-hmm. I can't do that now. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're not Leonardo DiCaprio. You can't do that anymore. Oh, I know. I'm not Leonardo. I'm not fucking he- uh, Hugh Hefner either. <laughs> the late great Paul Walker. <laughs> Oh, was Paul Walker all about that? Dating the younger women? Yeah, yeah. He had a very, very young girlfriend. How old is really? she? How old is she? Uh, I'd have to internet. Oh, you didn't even get to talk about... Hey, Jake, talk about the Fast 9 trailer. The F9. Excuse me, the F9 trailer. Oh, fuck yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot, I forgot all about the Fast 9 trailer. Uh, yeah, F9, what is it? Um, semicolon, the Fast Saga now is what we're calling yeah, this thing. Fast yeah, saga. It's a Fast Saga. Jesus Christ. It's like a running gag what we call these fucking movies at this uh, point. The, the, I think it's kind of the point. The, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. The Fast uh, Saga. The, hold on. The Fast Saga for me was when I was trying to lose weight in a short amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a, the fast saga when you're an adult is like you've got a fucking uh, you got a high school reunion coming up and you realize that you're a bloated piece of shit. And that's when you start your fast saga. <laughs> is that what caused your toilet issues? Uh, on Probably. Pro- hold on. Had a few few too many stacker twos in his stomach. I hold on. I am. I am very proud of myself, though. I haven't really said this on the show, but I have lost. Um, I lost a bunch of weight after I, after I fucking tore my Achilles, I put on a bunch of weight, got super depressed and, um, April of last year, I started hitting the gym. Then I started really hitting the gym hard. I would say in, uh, August and, uh, I've lost, I don't even know how many pounds of fat I've lost, but I've lost over 30 pounds of fat. I know that, that, and I've put on a shit fuck ton of muscle just by going to the gym. So like, It, it can happen. Guys, like, like, I, I don't know, like, the new year just started, and if you got, like, this resolution that you're gonna go to the gym, and like, and you put it off, and stuff like that, and maybe you're, maybe you got anxiety about going to the gym, because, like, everybody, like, you see, like, everybody in there, and they're, like, healthy, and they're in shape, and shit like that. I was like you, I was going in there, and I've been, I've been in, like, super amazing shape in the past. Like, in my, Late twenties, early thirties, I was a gym rat. I was in the gym all the fucking time and I was hitting the gym hard. And, um, and then I got out of it. You know, I got into a relationship, got lazy and, 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 and just let myself go. And then I, then I, then I fucking tore my Achilles and I got out of it and I put on all this weight, got super depressed, hated the way that I look. I still have body issues and I, I think everybody does. If you're normal, if, if you're a normal human being, you have body issues unless you're a fucking, 
I don't know, a narcissistic piece of shit that thinks you're the world sets and you know, the sun <laughs> sets. Those, those people are definitely out. They're out there. Uh, but, yes, they are. But I still have body issues and I know a lot of people do. And, 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 but I'm, but here's the thing. It's like, I, oh God, I, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I called you guys fuck nuggets earlier, but I care about all of you. I really do. If you listen to the show and you love the show, I want you to love yourself too. And I want you to fucking take the time to do something, something for yourself. And like, there, it's never too late. It's never too fucking late to turn around and turn over a new leaf. And, and maybe you're happy with the way you look. And that's great. I, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like thin is the only way to be. I'm not saying that. Like if, 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 if you have, uh, extra added weight on you and you're happy with the way you look and you're happy with it, by all means, be happy with yourself. I want everybody to love themselves, but I wasn't happy with myself. And so like I went back to the gym and I fucking hit it really hard. I'm working out six days a week. I'm doing weight training for an hour to an hour and a half. I've been doing 45 minutes of cardio, um, at least 45 minutes of cardio and then doing some days doing an hour and a half to two hours of cardio. And, um, and in, a, in a, and it, it's amazing how quickly things started to happen and how I started to change. It's amazing how quickly after a while it just started to like change. And, and, uh, I think it's like good. It, it's just good for you. It makes you feel better. It starts to pump those endorphins and, um, any of our listeners, like if you're like intimidated by going to the gym or intimidated by doing any of this stuff, like for me, when I see somebody coming into the gym, maybe like after January 1st, that's trying to like lose those, you know, the, the, those pounds and trying to get the weight off. I like for me personally, I'm thinking like it takes a lot of courage. Like we're, for people that are in shape and looking at the people that are in the gym uh, that are there to lose weight and to change, we, I respect that. I, we're not, no one is judging you when you go to the gym. And if they are, they're an asshole. But most people that don't be intimidated by this. And I think, Jake, I think like comic book stores are the same thing. Like people going into comic book stores that aren't like comic book people, but they want to get into it. They, they worry about like what people are thinking about them being in the comic book store. And I think the same thing goes on with the gym. Don't you? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I, I see it with magic too. A lot, a lot of new people have been playing because of all the video games. And when you go into the store and play with other people, you're just intimidated by, you know, all the accessories yeah. people have and all the terminology everyone's using. Yeah, it's like stepping into a new universe, and you don't want to feel like an outcast. Yeah, it, it it applies to all that stuff. So, like, if you had a New Year's resolution and you dropped off of it, it's not too late. It's not too late. You can make those changes. And, you know, just like, ma- just like magic where you're like building up your character or like these role playing games, like build yourself up, do something for yourself. Like if you feel like you want to make a change, go for it. Just go for it. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed where you'll be in six months. You'll be amazed what you can do in six months. Give it, give it, fuck. Like even if you just go for 20 minutes a day, you got it in. You did it. You did something. You did something that somebody else didn't do. I just, I want all of our listeners to feel like healthy and feel good about themselves. So, um, you can do this. Like I fucking, I struggled with this. I, I beat myself up about like how I looked and how I felt. And I knew that I'd been better shape in the past and like, and I just said, no more excuses. I'm going to start today. And I did. And I kept going back and I kept going every day. And the weight dropped off and like, 
Um, I feel better about myself. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not like, it's not like I'm fucking, it's not like I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh shit, look at you, you Hugh Jackman looking motherfucker. But I feel better. I feel better. Like, you know, I still, yeah, I want to get that vascular look. Yeah. I want to, you know what I mean? I, oh God. Yeah. I want, I want that Hugh Jackman vascular look. Where I see where where I kind of look like a human being, but I also look like like when you're looking through the textbooks and all you see is like they've gone over they've they've stripped away the dermis level and you're looking at the veins and shit. I kind (laughs) of. But no, I I don't know. I I think it needs to be said, man. I think. No, I agree. I I agree. I think that people don't think that people are in there judging you. Like I like when I see people come into the gym that I know that they're there for weight loss. I fucking, I wish I could just be like, yeah, but I'm not going to, that'd be fucking weird. But I wish I could just tell them like, man, I'm really proud of you coming into the gym today. And honestly, all of our listeners, like if I could, I would fucking, I would work out with you and I would, I would pump you up and fucking like get you not pump you up as like Hans and Franz. Like I, mean, <laughs> I would, pump, I lie, what I thought. <laughs> no, I would, I would like, I would encourage you. That's what I mean by pump you up. I would encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. And just try to be, you know, the best you, because I think like everybody, like there's a version of everyone, like, and I'm not saying like, it's not all physical. Cause like, I think like I'm working on the physical now, but like for me, it's like there, there's a part of me that wants to be like the best mental version of myself too, that I really need to work on. I think we all need to work on that too. So I don't know. I'm getting all deep and shit. I'm sorry. I've been drinking. Give me a fucking break. I, I don't know. I literally, I literally just called our listeners fuck nuggets a moment ago. And now I'm like. Yeah, I, I, well, I'm all offering over your services as a personal assistant. <laughs> no, it's fucked up. No, but Jake, I just, I see a lot. It's just sad. It's, it's sad. A lot of people are just out there struggling. They don't know. They, they want to make changes, but they, they're worried about what other people are going to think. Just fuck everybody else, man. Just do what you got to do. I believe in you. No, and I also agree with your, it's never too late stuff. I think a lot of people are just intimidated by how, you know, they feel like accomplishment is perfection and there's no in between. And so they just don't do anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a strong message too. It, it definitely is baby steps and it's, things are going to improve slowly and, yeah. you know, at a moderated rate, it, it's just not going to be snap your fingers. I did this hard work one day and now I'm good, you know? So right. I think that's really intimidating to people. You got to change your diet too, man. I've like, I, I'd, I've been drastically changing my diet. I don't, I, I don't drink a I, I, I don't drink a lot of sugary drinks anymore as far as like even juices and stuff like that and I I like as far as like um, carbs I'm taking in less carbs I'm I'm trying to eat like healthier carbs but I don't know there's a lot of stuff that you can do just I'm going to shut up about this. We'll move in. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> How did we get to this from the Fast 9? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> it's a John Cena and everybody looking all hardcore. Yeah, yeah look at all you. Oh, give me. It's all fucking steroids. Don't even tell me it's fucking <laughs> not. You cannot look like that without steroids. It's all fucking steroids. Don't tell me John Cena's not taking steroids. Don't tell me. Oh, he's definitely taking steroids. Don't tell me oh, Dwayne yeah, yeah, Johnson's yeah. not taking steroids. Don't tell me. Hey, Jesus Christ. Yeah, these guys are fucking. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, <laughs> and if you do them, just make sure you have a doctor monitoring you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, it's uh, Justin Lin is returning. He did uh, Fast and the Furious three through six before leaving and doing some other things. He did like Star Trek Beyond and uh, a couple TV show episodes. So I, I think he's probably the best director this series has had. So I'm excited about that. Um, just before talking about the trailer, I, I definitely am excited for this movie. Um, everyone's returning except for The Rock and his Hobbs character. Um, they're kind of doing their own spinoff thing now, so we knew that was happening. But on a trailer level, this thing was way too overbloated. This is a very low-tasted of a trailer for me, even though I, I am very hyped for this movie. Um, man, no trailer for any movie needs to be four minutes long. And I think this thing clocks in at like three minutes and 50 seconds, which is just ridiculous to me. Um, they show way too many twists and turns that are going to happen in the movie. And they kind of show five different action set pieces. I don't know why they're not holding any of that back. Um, yeah, I mean, I understand you want to get people excited about John Cena playing a, a villain, which is very, you know, untypical for him. And you make it a bit more exciting by doing the reveal that he's, Dom's brother that we haven't heard about in eight previous movies, which, you know, gave me the shock face when they revealed it. But I think that's kind of where the button show some quick sizzle reel action sequences and get out of here. I'm going to be rolling my eyes having to see this four minute trailer before movies once it starts getting, you know, put before reels on new release movies. Neil, did you what did you think of this trailer? I, I I feel a lot of the same things that you you just outlined. Um, it was definitely too long. They put too much in it. That fucking twist for Han at the end, like, why did they do that in the trailer? Yeah, I, I just don't understand why you have to sell this movie that hard, too. This is one yeah. of the biggest <laughs> franchises out there, if not maybe the biggest next to, like, the MCU stuff right now. Yeah. And, like, this movie's going to make a shit ton of money. You really have to entice people with fucking a four-minute trailer? And like, I think it, that there was the same problem with the Hobbs and Shaw trailer. That's like they showed all this stuff that they should have just left in just for the movie, not for the trailer. Yeah, I, I find it very bizarre how they really feel like they have to oversell the shit out of this movie. So, I mean, But that being said, I this franchise is very much a guilty pleasure for me. Um, I always have a lot of fun. I thought the last one was great. Uh, the last one introduced uh, Charlize Theron as a villain, and mm -hmm. her character is back, teamed up with the villainous John Cena, you know, <laughs> Dom's brother. But John Cena scowls a lot in this trailer, though, right? Mm -hmm. Like, every time you see him, he's got the deepest scowl, which which kind of made me laugh. And, yeah. I mean, I'm sure in typical Fast and the Furious fashion, John Cena may be the villain in this movie and may may kill off a couple of friends of Dom. But by the good guy next time. 10, it's going to be hugs and family. Family. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm waiting for that ridiculousness. I don't see how yeah. you can avoid it unless they actually kill John Cena off in this movie, which seems highly implausible since but they never kill anyone off in these franchises unless they die in real keep, life. They just keep coming back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paul Walker did die in real life and he came back. I know. It's insane. I, I'm totally here for the movie, though. I, 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 it's not even guilty pleasure for me at this point. I, I just, I unabashedly love these fucking movies now. After yeah. years of ripping on them, I, I, I found that I love just turning my brain off and enjoying the spectacle. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I love. I've always loved car chase sequences. These movies always deliver on really amazing car chase sequences, uh -huh. and 
yeah, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I but uh, low tasted for this trailer. I stopped watching the franchise after three. I watched this trailer, and I'm going to start watching the other movies. Do it to get yeah, caught up. You're, you're going to love it. Fast Five, I think, might be my favorite. It's definitely mine. Yeah, but I like all of the ones after that as well. I'll start. I remember I like I watched the first three and then I just kind of like dropped off and they look fun. I'll be honest with you. Like I didn't notice that the trailer was four fucking minutes long. I just was having a blast just laughing at the ridiculousness of <laughs> the stunts in it. And oh, my God. Yeah. When the car's just swinging around like Tarzan. I just oh, my God. Fucking I fucking it. I was like, yes, that is awesome. Magnet plane. <laughs> Oh, magnet plane. I was thinking it was like a fucking X-Men Quinjet and she called it a, a magnet plane. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I'll, I'm going to do a – tell you what, Jake. Should I do a Fast and Furious watch and report on each movie each week? Yeah, that'd be fun. Yes. I would, I would love to talk about those movies with you. I've always wanted to talk about these movies with you, so okay. that'd be great. Are you going right. to watch them in the beginning again then? It'd be like it'd be like uh tossing the the ball around with dad in the backyard, you know what I mean? <laughs> Me and you can bond over something, you know what I mean? Yeah, that happens very rarely. <laughs> we never bond over anything. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, dad. What <laughs> a fuck yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I we we may still not bond over these movies, hard saying. Who the fuck knows? DC News. Let's jump into DC News. Let me play the bumper because I never do. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Guys, there have been some uh, DCEU. Okay, if you're on Reddit, there's been some leaks about the possible plot to the Suicide Squad movie that James Gunn's doing. I don't know if I 100% believe these leaks, so I'm not going to report them. But if you want to see the screenshots of the leaks, I'll send them to you. Send me an email, brian at popcultureleftovers.com. I'll send you the fucking Suicide Squad supposed leaks to this movie. I don't know if I'm buying them. Um, but yeah, just, uh, title the email, uh, the suicide squad and I'll send them to you if you're interested. Anyway, birds of prey has screened for critics and this is what they're saying. Eric Eisenberg from cinema blend said, Jake, this has been a, this has been a movie. This has been a movie that people have seen these trailers. They've been underwhelmed and everybody's been saying this movie's going to be absolute garbage. Oh, it's not going to be good. Not going to be good. Birds break. Look, it's gonna be crap. People have been saying this. It's not gonna be good. It's not even tracking for a great opening, to be quite honest with you, as far as like other comic book movies are concerned. But let's see what they have to say here. Eric Eisenberg from Cinema Blend. Birds of Prey isn't a Birds of Prey movie so much as it's a Harley Quinn movie feature. Birds of Prey, and that creates issues story-wise and in fleshing out characters. But it's a hell of a lot of fun. It's at, it's at its best when going full Harley vision and Margot Robbie is clearly having a blast. So positive review there. Yeah. And I, I think we kind of saw that coming. That's one thing I think we all kind of agreed on was going to be a thing just from the trailers. Like it definitely seems to be more of a Harley Quinn movie. I mean, even the obnoxious like surname the movie has kind of proves that point. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the question still remained, is the movie going to be any good? 
Yeah, yeah. Who cares if it's a primarily a Harley Quinn movie? If it's yeah. good, you forgive anything if it's a good movie. Sean O'Connell, also from Cinema Bland, said, Believe this, Birds of Prey whips all sorts of ass. It's a hard-hitting, unapologetic origin story for the team and a terrific, vicious vehicle for Margot Robbie. Violent, funny, with crazy fun action. And Ewan McGregor is on a different frequency, but wildly entertains. See it. That's exciting. It, I, I, one of the things I've been most excited to hear about these early reviews is that it seems like Ewan McGregor does a pretty good job as a villain. Jill Pantosi from io9 says Birds of Prey is a ridiculous and rad superhero film. The fight scenes are phenomenal and the villains are delicious. It shouldn't have taken this long to get the Birds of Prey on film, but it was a lot of fun. Fandango's Eric Davis says Birds of Prey has terrific action, humor, and some of the more memorable characters we've seen in a DC movie. But the biggest highlight is Margot Robbie. She is fantabulous as Harley, while also proving that sometimes our most valued relationships are the ones we have with good food. Uh, Angie, <laughs> Angie Hahn from Mashable says Birds of Prey. Winning characters above average action and a killer soundtrack hampered by uneven tone and pacing. The girls are, are at their best together and they're not together enough. Mary Elizabeth Winstead's Huntress is the not so secret MVP. Sounds like she liked it, but didn't love it. Uh, but it's still yeah. positive. Uh, Mike Rougeau from GameSpot said, just saw Birds of Prey and I'm happy to report that it's my favorite modern DC movie yet. Like Shazam, it carves its own path with totally unique aesthetic action and tone. Margot, Ewan, and all the rest are 100% fantabulous. Why aren't there more roller skate action scenes? Uh, Alicia Grouso from Adam Tickets says, Birds of Prey is like if John Wick were run through a crazy funhouse filter and stuff full of glitter and F-bombs. It's everything you could ever want from Harley Quinn and her badass girl gang into this movie completely. Laura Prudhomme from IGN says, Birds of Prey is a riot oozing with attitude and some of the best inventive, bone-crushing fight sequences in the superhero genre to date. I went in with low expectation and was pleasantly surprised by how much fun I had. It doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it has style to spare. Um, most of these reviews are super positive, and I just want to say that I've heard a lot of people just shitting on this from the first trailer to the second trailer, and I didn't hate those trailers, but I still had a lot of positive feelings from it. It just seems so weird and so bizarre. I felt like there was something here, and I was not 100% like saying, like, oh, this movie's going to be garbage. I was still really much looking forward to this one, and I've got to give props to uh, Paul Hart for being like who we've had on the show. He's been like a huge kind of like proponent saying like this is going to – I feel like this could be a great movie. I'm really looking forward to this one. I hope it succeeds. And also I'm going to give props to myself because I really fucking have been kind of like championing this movie when other people have been shitting on it. And I think that it is going to be – by these reviews, I think that this has a really good shot. We haven't seen the movie, but I think it has a really good shot to be a great movie, especially from some of these critics who I know don't like all the superhero movies. So I – I'm I'm really kind of excited going into this movie. I hope it's as good as they uh, are billing it here. Yeah, I'm definitely the most excited that I've been yet. I'm, you know, I'm just so weary with these DC movies, whether I I like or dislike the trailer anymore. But yeah, it's it's we know this isn't like a Warner Brothers let all their execs watch the movie and they're you know 
just oozing out all this good stuff about it. Like these, like you said, these are critics that haven't liked every superhero movie. You know, these are non-biased opinions and most of them seem even the most negative review there was still very positive. Yeah. Yeah. Neil is uh, like, I don't know. How were you before? And now after hearing some of these reviews, has it changed your opinion at all? Or are you still like, I don't know. How, how were you before and how are you now? Well, I've been excited since the beginning. Good for you. Uh, Good for you. I've loved, I've actually loved all the trailers. They seem, they <laughs> seem so different, like with Harley, like doing kind of like singing and dancing and shit, mm-hmm. like a musical and stuff. I, I fucking love it. Yeah. It, <laughs> I was thinking like, I was thinking like the way that they're presenting this stuff is, is uh, I think most audiences are not going to get excited about this, but it just looks so quirky and bizarre to me. I still thought that this is something different that we haven't seen. And I don't feel like I didn't feel like it was 100% trying to knock off the Deadpool stuff either. It felt like it was trying to give like Harley her own voice in, in this, but go ahead. I'm sorry, Neil. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, Harley Quinn has been one of my favorite DC characters since I started reading her. Um, I love what uh, what is it uh, Chuck Palmiotti and um, shit I'm blanking on her name Amanda Connor yeah. did with the character, um, and I, I thought Margot Robbie did a hell of a job for what she was given in Suicide Squad. Uh, so I was really excited to see her come back and have more control over her character and be given something that she, that she could actually really sink her teeth into. Cause I think she's a hell of an actor. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I, I heard all this negative stuff about the, um, previous trailers and it's like, ah, I don't agree. I like these trailers. <laughs> these trailers look good. I thought, uh, they, I thought they were fine. I didn't think they were mind blowing by any, by any stretch. Blow my mind or anything, right. but they looked made it look like a fun movie, especially the could, second trailer, like with the action yeah. with like the birds of prey, where they show the birds of prey like that high octane action, like them yeah. like, smashing that guy's head into that fucking uh, car window. <laughs> well, yeah, it seems like once they got some of the effects done and were able to release that to the public, that you could see more of the tone of the movie. Yeah, um, yeah, like, I I have been. Just like Paul Hart, I, I have been a big fan of what they've put out to us so far, and I have, I do have really high hopes for it because I think it is going to be just a, a, a frenetic, kinetic joyride, yeah. and I'm, I, I'm really excited for it. I already have my ticket for Thursday night, so I I'm too. really, really excited. I've got my, t- <laughs> I got, I got my ticket for Thursday and Friday. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh wow! Nice. So, yeah, here's the like. What I really loved about that second trailer is the fact that it really sets up that Harley Quinn and the Joker are not a thing right now, and mm-hmm. so she doesn't have that protection now. She's on her own, and so, but she's also teaming up with other people that have affected the life of Ewan McGregor's Black Mask character. Like it sounds like Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character killed Victor Zaz, which. In this version, it sounds like him and Black Mask were secretly dating each other in a relation in, in a relationship, and she killed him. Is what it sounds like. And then other people have like stolen jewels from him, um, and so like all these people, this fucking like bad news bears, this fucking group of misfits, are now forced to basically 
become a team. The Birds of Prey and Harley Quinn. They're forced to become a team and fight against this one evil. Like, these are people that would never would have teamed up before, but now we're forced to. I love that setup because I feel like a lot of hilarity can ensue when you have people that don't want to work with one another but are forced to. Yeah, I agree. And when you don't like each other but you have to get along or you have to be cohesive, yeah, I agree. That's That could be very much be a comedy gold mine. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, I, As far as like other people watching these trailers and being underwhelmed, I myself wasn't 100% blown away, but I still thought that there was enough in here that I was really intrigued and really wanted to see this movie. And so these reviews, um, I'm not saying it's 100% validation because I haven't seen the movie yet, but they really have me excited to see this one. I can't wait to fucking – I've got tickets for fucking the opening night and the next day. I can't wait to see this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I also think that Warner Brothers caught a lucky break with um, how the box office was this week. I think this movie is potentially set up to make a shit ton of money because, I mean, like you talked about earlier this episode – Yeah. The, top movies this week are all are all movies that have already been out yeah which means like the majority of movie going people that are the type of people that go see a movie every week took this week off yeah and this also jake at the end of the day like let's say like the the first week isn't as like big as they thought it was going to be because i i read somewhere like they were expecting like maybe a a 52 and i could be wrong a 52 million dollar opening weekend but let, let's say like let's say they get that let's say they get 50 million okay opening weekend yeah but the movie's good. It's better than they expected. And then it could be one of those cases where like word of mouth gets other people in the theaters and it has a, like a strong second week. Yeah. And there's nothing else that's really opening that first weekend that other people would might want to go see. Yeah. There's like a dance movie. Yeah. And then there's like a Elijah Wood horror movie. <laughs> And I mean, everything, yeah. everything else is like, we're looking at like Netflix originals and stuff like that. You know, like that, mm-hmm. what was it? Horse Girl with, uh, Alison Brie coming out on Netflix on the 7th. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really just streaming movies and you can watch those anytime. Yeah. I think this is primed to potentially be a big box office hit. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it was one of Warner Brothers biggest box office hits. Yeah. You know? what yeah. They, what do they have the next week? Like the next week is Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. It's going a up, different audience. It's going up against the Lodge, which I think the Lodge is going to be a good movie, but I don't think like it's going to bring in the people that fucking Harley Quinn could bring in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's a lot of fucking people. Harley Quinn is a very popular character, and you should not underestimate, right? You know, yeah, how well known she is. I mean, yeah. Jesus, if you've been to any convention, you see eight thousand <laughs> Harley Quinns. Well, of shit. All different- even trying to guesstimate what the fucking opening is going to like what the opening weekend's going to be in my opinion was difficult then because they hadn't opened up tickets on Fandango and Adam tickets until fucking like 2 days ago yeah yeah i wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being one of the top 5 grossing already movies of all time i hope so i really hope so at the end of the day i I don't know, man. I it's I don't think it's going to touch Joker. I don't think it's going to get close to Deadpool, but it could overtake. It, could it overtake Logan? I think it could. Yeah. Yeah, it's just because of a fun factor of it. Yeah. Oh, I want a wild ride, man. I want. I want. I want yeah. a wild ride. Absolutely. And I want to. I love. I love comic book movies that are still action based too. You know, I love action. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the biggest action movie that came out this year, and I think it came out at a great time, was Bad Boys 
Bad Boys for Life. Because, like, I think people were craving an action movie. And they gave us really good action in that fucking movie. You know, so, like, I think people are ready for a little bit more action, you know, early on this year. Especially with Harley Quinn. I don't know. I, I hope the movie does great. I do think that they could have put out better trailers. And I do think that the trailer should have co- showcased the Birds of Prey a little bit more. But in the end, it sounds like they aren't showcased as much. Like, we've got people saying, like, there should have been more Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And, like, I don't know. What's uh, Journey Smollett? What, what's it? Journey Smollett? From um, yeah. she's playing Black Canary. I loved her in Friday Night Lights. I don't know. Do you like? I think if this movie explodes, do you think we'll get a Birds of Prey spinoff movie? Yes. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Have them go separate ways from Harley and just have their own thing. Yeah, I, I would dig that if the movie's yeah. fucking good. So let's move on into Star Wars news, and we'll wrap this fucking uh, piece of shit podcast. Up. <laughs> How do, you, how do you think about this one? Is it, it been okay? Has it been okay, Jake? Yeah, it's been good. It was an amazing recovery after that <laughs> first twenty minutes. Yeah, that was that was pretty rough for me. Oh my god, <laughs> it's hard for me to get back in the oh, right mental Neil, space. Neil, 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 Neil. I, seriously, I just want to thank you for being a trooper. Like, guys, you got listen, people. Neil was Neil was scheduled for the show, had internet issues, and then Neil drove. You drove back got what you needed to get on in the episode and make this episode happen. So uh, seriously, we talk about superhero and comic book movies all the time, but the real superhero this week has been goddamn Neil Follender. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. I agree. If this would have been just me and Brian, this might have been a top 10 worst episode. (laughs) Oh my God. It would have been, it would have been uh, craptastic. I'll tell you that much. All right, guys, time for Star Wars news. What's a supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. That's not true. That's impossible! Alright, my hat's off to J.J. Abrams after reading this article from Yahoo, uh, Yahoo Entertainment. And no matter how you feel, no matter where you kind of sided with uh, The Rise of Skywalker, whether you loved it, whether you liked it, whether you hated it, Listen to this. This this is from Yahoo Entertainment. I I, I read this article yesterday. J.J. Abrams has promised to learn from the tepid response to Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker while also insisting that his aim with his final installment to the saga was merely to make audiences feel good. According to Variety, Abrams made this declaration on Thursday at the 2020 Upfront Summit in Los Angeles where he was discussing his decision to bring more diversity to the Star Wars franchise. But arguably, the most illuminating aspect to Abrams' comics were his acknowledgement that The Rise of Skywalker didn't please a lot of viewers and his vow to examine and learn from his experience. Quote, The truth is uh, that these things that are meant to entertain people to make them feel something and hopefully make them feel good. Obviously, it doesn't always work. It's hard when it doesn't. And when it doesn't, you have to understand it. You have to acknowledge it. You have to examine it. In the earliest stages, we talked, uh, excuse me, uh, Abrams and Bad Robot CEO, uh, co-CEO Katie McGrath are at least proud of the fact that they made the galaxy far, far away, much more diverse. With uh, Let's talk about that real quick, uh, what I just said. Jake, I, I, I liked 
the rise of Skywalker. Didn't love it. Didn't didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. I'm right there in the middle, man. I'm still right there in the middle with that movie. But here's the thing I love about J.J. Abrams. He's like, you know what? I'm going to chalk this one up to like I, it, it didn't please everybody. It, it, this was not this was not the Russos doing Avengers Endgame where everybody, pretty much everybody, the majority of people walking out of that movie just absolutely loved it. I'm sure you have your few stragglers in there. But, like, this is a little bit more divisive, okay? You've got people that absolutely loved it, people that hated it, and then you got, like, me in the middle. I liked it. But he's saying, you know what? I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to learn from this. And uh, he's not making excuses, man. I see a lot of directors these days that have a movie that come out and they blame, they, they blame Rotten Tomatoes, they blame the critics, they blame everybody else. J.J. Abrams. The studio. The studio. J.J. Abrams is saying, you know what? I got to do better. God damn it, man. I, you know, no matter what He's I saying, I signed an NDA and I have to, I have to not blame anyone but myself. No, come on. <laughs> it's, come on. JJ Abrams is, are, do you think that he really, he signed a fucking deal with Warner Brothers? I mean, I honestly think, I, dude, I think I, he, he, he's, he could say whatever the, do you really think that's what I, I gotta, res- I respect him for these comments. No, I was making a joke. Okay. I, I, I kind of meet in the middle though with what I think. I, I think JJ's smart enough to know it's bad business to trash your own movie. Yeah. Like that's, Warner Brothers doesn't want that with the deal they signed. It doesn't make him look good. Like you don't yeah. come out of that looking better. Right. So yeah. I, I think he's very smart in that way. Sure. I, this is definitely the right thing to say. Yeah. No, you're right. Like I'm trying to like be more positive on it. Like it makes me want to like reach out to JJ and be like, dude, yeah, man, it's okay. It's yeah, you, you, you fucked up Star Wars for a, some of the fan base, but it's all right, dude. Like, I want to give him like a hug. It's okay, dude. You know, like, I, and I know some people love this movie. He didn't fuck it up for everybody, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel bad for the guy. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I feel bad for anyone involved with making any kind of Star Wars project the way these fucking rabid toxic fans can get. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. He, he's just not hateful about it. You know, like a lot of directors get pretty hateful about this kind of stuff. So I don't know. What do you think? You like Todd Phillips? Yeah, yeah. A great example. Yeah. I don't know. I, get, I don't know. Poor JJ. <laughs> no, I'm not going that far, but I hear where you're coming from. I, I don't, but he's taken a little bit of responsibility. He's, you know what I mean? He's, yeah. little, he needs to apologize for Star Trek 2 more than Rise of Skywalker. Yes, I, I agree. I totally agree with you, Jake. Uh, yeah, but. Into yeah. Darkness? Yes, yes. Yeah. So apologize for the con. Yeah. yeah, that's garbage. But like, I, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, uh, there's not a lot of redeeming shit in Into Darkness. We'll see. I tell you, the next time J.J. Abrams is, you know, directing or involved with the last chapter of something, there's no way that we're not all just going to be very weary of that after this. Yeah. Well, regardless I, of what he says. Is it, it already was because of Under Darkness, but yeah. Well, I think, I think, I think, I think, honestly, I think Rise of Skywalker would have been better had they, in my opinion, I think, like, I think it would have been better if they hadn't, if they didn't have Chris Terrio involved. Like, if they would have. Oh, 100%. He yeah. is a sack of shit. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, Chris Terrio, like, if you look at, like, what he did with Argo, that movie's amazing. Like, you can say whatever the fuck you want to about Chris Terrio and, like, uh, what is it, Justice League and all that stuff. But, like, if you look at, like, I just don't think, like, he's fit. I don't think that Chris Terrio is the guy that you want doing your comic book and your, you know, your your sci-fi, your fantasy stuff. I agree with that. He's definitely better fit for original stories that, you know, have more of a real-life feel than be an adaptation guy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think. God damn it! Everyone has their strong suits. I mean, that's that's a tough gig to be a good writer at both, like adaptation and franchise world building, and also like you know more real life gritty dramas. Mm-hmm. Like, not many people can write both films, and Chris, yeah. Chris Terrio is not one of them. This so- <laughs> this sounds like it, it. Basically, it sounds like a confession. Like he was just trying to please people and make everybody happy, and that, like it just goes back to a lot of what I said, like when we reviewed it, that it was like a lot of fan service. Yeah, I mean, obviously that was the fucking mandate. They don't kick Colin Trevolo off the project and then just tell J.J. Abrams to just to fucking go go crazy and do whatever you want. Like he, you know, he had a mandate for what he had to accomplish, or they would have just fucking fired him too. I just think that it was not the guy to to give it to that I don't know. We I can talk about this. <laughs> I, I I can talk about rumors and everything all day because I've heard that when Ryan Johnson was working on his movie, he asked JJ to do a couple things to set up his movie and JJ said no i don't know if that's true but that's what i've heard yeah we've talked about that we've talked and I about believe it. Uh-huh. too yeah and jj said no and he did things that he, the way that he wanted to do and then ryan johnson had to ryan johnson made his movie and then i don't care what anybody says that the rise of skywalker just it felt like it went out of its way the first 30 minutes of that fucking movie just felt like it was Uh going out of its way to retcon all the ryan johnson stuff which oh yeah i thought the whole thing did i almost thought the last 30 minutes were more repulsive as far as shitting on last jedi than the first 30 yeah uh, there's a lot of it going on like i i guess i you know i'd have to i'd have to watch it again and break it all down all the shit that he retcons but he retcons (laughs) yeah luke catches that lightsaber in the end sure Yeah, and, the, and, and uh, what was it? Um, I love what Steve uh, from Scenic Cast said on his episode. He's like, he's like, J.J. Abrams was the voice of Dio, and what does Dio keep saying in the movie? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and it was like that was like J.J. Abrams' way of saying he's sorry for like what everybody got in the previous film with Ryan Johnson's movie. It was his like it was like his apology, which you can say, oh, whatever, whatever. Well, it looked like J.J. did that in the first fucking movie, The Force Awakens, when fucking right. um, at the beginning of the movie where like uh, the character hands over the data to to Poe Dameron and says this will set everything right this will make everything right and that was jj abrams way of saying like oh this is gonna this movie is gonna make all the things right that the prequels got wrong it's gonna bring star wars back it seems like all these little subtle fucking things that jj sets up like that that he does in these movies you know what i mean as these little Uh like i believe it messages to the fans and things like that and yeah i believe it too i believe it too man it's fucked up i don't know 
I'm done. I ain't got I ain't got shit else, guys. That's it. I have one more thing. Go for it, man. Uh, the Super Bowl's tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, my Niners are are in it. Um, and I'm really excited. And uh, I just wanted to let Jake know that there's a player on the Niners that he might actually really like. Uh, his name is George Kittle. He plays tight end. And he is a huge, huge wrestling fan. And uh, so much so that he, uh, at the very beginning of the season, he made a video, like a little locker room video after a game. And he was like, can you smell what the Niners are cooking? And he and The Rock have become friends because of this. Um, and it, it just, it, it, it's like this team is, is having so much fun. And they have these huge personalities, and oh, I'm I'm just super excited for tomorrow. And I, I think that uh, if, if you like football at all, you need to do yourself a favor and look up George Kittle highlights on YouTube because really he is cool. a beast. Like he he likes he's a hell of a pass catching tight end. He he's the he last year he set the record for most receiving yards by a tight end in NFL history. And he prefers to run block. Like he, he, he just loves to lay dudes out. Um, and it, it's, he's, he, and he's laughing and smiling throughout the entire game, just wrecking people. It, it's so much fun to watch. And, and yes, I think you should look up George Kittle. I think I'm, I'm pretty I'll sure do that. I would I would imagine that San Francisco is going to win tomorrow. I think they're the favorite. So, well, they're a point and a half underdog to, to Kansas City because Kansas City's quarterback is amazing. But and they also then they have these. It's the first time that the first team All Pro tight end and the second team All Pro tight end are facing in the Super Bowl. Hmm. So it's yeah. it's it's the battle of the tight ends. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully uh, it'll be hopefully it'll be a good game because last year was crap. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very, very excited. Um, I mean, we were, the Niners were in a, a few years ago, uh, seven years ago. Yeah. But we haven't won since the 90s, 94. Of course, Kansas City hasn't even been back since. Was that like, uh, uh Joe Montana? 70. Was that Joe Montana? Yeah. No, uh, the last time the Niners won was with Steve Young. Oh, Joe Steve Montana Young. had become a Kansas City Chief at that point. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> I had an yeah. ex-girlfriend in high school, and it was, fuck, it was 94. She fucking had a huge heart on for Steve Young. God damn, I hated Steve Young. <laughs> He's a good-looking dude. Good-looking dude. She was. She had a huge heart on for Steve Young. I had to hear about that motherfucker all the time. <laughs> will you be watching? Will you be watching the XFL this year? Um, probably not. Uh, They're bringing that I, shit I, back. Yeah, they yeah. started last year. I, I checked. I mean, I, I I saw a couple games in passing, and it looked fun. But it's you know, it's hard to switch over like that. It's coming back full force this year. Lots of money being put behind the public. Is it, is it still is it still Vince doing that? It's still Vince. You know, I, they yeah. need to bring back roller games. Do you remember roller games, the roller yes, derby? I fucking love roller games. Roller <laughs> games was awesome, dude. They, I had the Nintendo game even. Dude, I used to, yeah, it was roller derby, man. And it was like, like it, back in the day, it was like, uh, we'd watch American Gladiators and then roller derby. Roller games. Yeah. 
the teams were very much like like wrestling tag teams yeah. too. Like each of them had their own like theme. They were like the bro dudes. Do you remember? The, you know, they used to have like a fucking band on every week that would play. Oh yeah, like in the middle, right? Dude, they had fucking Warrant on Janie Lane and Warrant. <laughs> yeah, I'm not fucking around. They had Warrant on playing roller games. Yeah, nice. hilarious. I used to watch roller games all the fucking time. I used to love this shit. I'm right. trying to look up some of the tea, the Los Angeles T Birds. <laughs> Los Angeles T Birds. <laughs> okay. Neil, I hope for you that your team wins tomorrow. Me too. But I hope. For I, other- I hope we get a Wandavision commercial. And other than that, I could give two fucks. I heard that. <laughs> I heard that movie studios are really not doing a lot this year, as far as the Super Bowl is concerned. I, I bet it's more. I bet it's going to be mostly streaming services, man. I bet it's going to be Quibi, Amazon, Apple. You know, like Netflix. Netflix. I heard there was a, a record amount of political ads for this year's Super oh, Bowl. Christ. So get ready for that. Get ready yeah, for that. Bloomberg. Yeah. Yeah. Trump himself bought ad space for the Super Bowl. Hey, don't uh. say that name on this podcast. <laughs> I was talking about the guy from Home Alone 2. <laughs> they actually removed his scene in Disney Plus's version of Home Alone before they removed Home Alone off of Disney Plus. Is, is that really true? I heard they removed it for time reasons off of network airings. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me get back to you. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't, what, bad. We should definitely end the episode now. I, <laughs> I want to th- Neil. I want to thank you. I hope you. Had, thank you for I, I hope you had fun, Neil. Is that, that's all I care I about. Did. I don't care. I don't care. At the end of the day, I don't care what our listeners thought about this episode. I just <laughs> like. Was it worth it for you? Yes. Yes, it was. I don't, can I believe that, Jake? Are you? It was believing? a little stressful, but yes. No, I, I believe it. Yeah, like it was. No, like here's the thing, Neil. Like it may have been stressful for you. Like, like oh my god, I can't believe I'm doing this. These guys are trying to record. My internet's garbage right now. I sound like a fucking moron when I try to talk. <laughs> but I'm Neil. Like that was going on. But yeah, at the end of the day, you got shit together, and I just hope that you had fun during this one. Yeah, I did. It was it was actually kind of nice recording at home for once. So yeah, yeah. No, you sound fantastic right now. Oh, good. Seriously, <laughs> coming through. Uh, I see your true colors shining through. True colors, <laughs> and that's why I love you. <laughs> was that City Lopper? Yes. Yes. Oh man, City Lopper. So good, Cindy Lauper. Man, back she you, was. Uh, she had uh, Captain Lou Albano in that music video. Remember, yeah, Cap- WWE Hall of Famer Captain Lou <laughs> Albano. And have the- you seen the movie she did with Jeff Goldblum? Vibes. Yes, so good. Very good movie. I loved Vibes. Yeah, me too. Watch- Peter Falk was in that too. Peter, Falk. watch Vibes. <laughs> <laughs> if you take anything away from tonight yeah if vibes. you've learned nothing <laughs> watch vibes <laughs> just like all good leftovers say other doggy bags thank you for your patronage thanks for listening we'll see you next week with our birds of prey review c2e2 c2e2 and the last in a month
Oh my god! <laughs> shit's gonna go. Shit's gonna get real, right? Yes, it is. Shit's gonna go down. Shit's gonna go down. <laughs> Neil, <laughs> am I gonna get? Hey, am I gonna get fucked up? Yes, I'm gonna get Jesus. fucked up. Shit's yes. gonna, shit's gonna get. <laughs> shit's gonna get weird. Shit's gonna get yes, weird. It is. Shit's gonna get weird. I'm gonna get fucked up. We're gonna have a great fucking time. Everybody going to C2E2. Shit's gonna get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> See you then. See you next week. See ya. Later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Sure only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftover. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.